Okay, here we go. Bedlam week. Thanksgiving week. Tons to talk about here on West of Everest. I am Lee Benson, and joining me, as always, a man who loves Thanksgiving food. I mean, he can't get enough of the turkey and the stuffing and the green bean casserole and the candied yams. He loves it all. You name it. If it's a Thanksgiving food, he loves it, and don't let him tell you anything different. Of course, that man of is Grant Benson. What's going on? I will say, good mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese, and dinner rolls are all wonderful, wonderful food items for Thanksgiving. Everything else is 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 pretty mediocre, and that's that's just non-negotiable. That's that's just a fact. But if you like it, that's totally fine. Do do what you want to do. You're an adult. You don't have to care what I think. And so here's the rundown today. We are going to talk Bedlam preview, both sides of the football. We'll tell you what we have seen watching tape of the Cowboys and how we think that will determine what Oklahoma does in this football game and also what we think Oklahoma should try to do against Oklahoma State's offense and Oklahoma State's defense. Then at the end of that, we'll give you our feelings about what the tape is telling us is going to happen or maybe what our gut is feeling about this game, what's going to happen on Saturday night. Full disclosure, I already did a radio hit Wednesday morning. By the way, we're recording this Wednesday evening. So about eight hours ago or so, I did a radio hit, and I picked Oklahoma State to win the game 24-14. to They put me on the spot. I had to make a pick. I did it. Uh, But I was also a bit of a snake, and I said that my opinion of that could change after I watch more tape and do more research. And that's where I am right now on this podcast. So this will be my final call. Will, will I even make a pick? I don't know. I, you know, sometimes I squirrel out of it. Here's the thing, though. I'm being honest with you, honest and transparent. I'm not just going to go ahead and do stuff and then just pretend like I didn't say something before because I hate when people do that. I hate when pundits and people who talk about sports and stuff like that act like they never make any wrong decisions or bad picks. If I mess up or say something dumb, I do my best to fix it. And so that's my transparent take so far on Bedlam. After all of that, I'm going to ask Grant about the latest college football playoff rankings and all the possible scenarios that lie ahead. I don't know where this is going to go. Maybe we'll talk about it for five minutes. Maybe we'll talk about it for 10 to 15 to 20. I don't know. Uh, Is Cincinnati, this is interesting, is Cincinnati basically in the playoff if it wins out? I think that's a big question right now. We'll talk about that and other possible outcomes. Then we'll go around the Big 12 like we normally do. Then we'll go around the nation. We'll make our five weekly picks. By the way, Grant, another positive week. You were three and two last week. I also went three and two. We'll do that. We'll make our picks. Let's talk about Bedlam. That's the thing coming up. We've got a big game here. And I'll start with this. So I've been saying this is the biggest Bedlam ever, ever since Oklahoma and Oklahoma State won last week. And I felt pretty good about that take because – both teams are 10-1. and one. This is the last regular season game. Both teams have a chance to win the Big 12 still, and both teams still have a chance to make the college football playoff. But to, uh, you know, to Jenny Carlson's credit at the Oklahoma, and she wrote an article about how uh, maybe this is not technically the biggest bedlam. She referenced a 1984 game where both teams were ranked in the top three, and both teams still had a legitimate chance to maybe be uh, national champions or at least claim a national championship if they won and then went on and, and won the Orange Bowl. Okay, so that's, I mean, 1984 was almost 40 years ago at this point, but it's still relatively recent. Fine, good to know, noted. 
Uh, how about this? Modern day college football. I'm sorry. 1984 is not modern day college football. We have a new playoff in the, in the playoff system uh, post BCS. Modern day college football. This is the biggest bedlam we've ever seen because of the situation that's at hand. Grant, your thoughts. Do you agree with this being the biggest bedlam, at least modern day bedlam ever? Modern day? I mean, probably. Probably. Um, I think... You know, I you can you can go back to 2015 where that I mean that was the last I think top 10 matchup unless they unless Oklahoma State was also top 10 in 2017, but I, I'm not sure. Um, that was the last top 10 matchup. But going into that game, that was it was sort of the opposite of this one where Oklahoma State was kind of a sketchy 10 and one, and they also had true freshman quarterback Mason Rudolph who was hurt also. And uh, I, I, I can't remember the guy's name uh, who, who backed him up. It's not Clint Shelf, but it's the other guy who is also, who is basically the same as Clint Shelf. I just, I just can't remember who it was. Um, but that game was kind of like, it was the opposite, right? Like OSU was kind of a sketchy 10 and 1. OU had been rolling in the second half of the season, kind of just blowing out everybody. And going into that game, it was, I think, just because it was, it was in Stillwater and OSU, you know, was still 10 and 1, still a top 10 team. People were still just kind of like, ah, you know, anything could happen. But also, like, OU was rolling at that time, and I think OU's fan base was really confident going into that game. And they should have been. They won by five touchdowns. So, um, but yeah, other than that, you know, I I can't really think of any anyone that would be bigger. I will say, though, I think there is an argument to be made that this is the biggest one ever, though. Um, and it's because of the context with this maybe being the last game in Stillwater for the foreseeable future. Um I, I really do think that adds something to it. I think it also adds, you know, a lot of intrigue to it in the fact that, you know, Oklahoma State had last season had a bunch of guys kind of say no to the NFL draft and come back, you know, them saying they want to win a national championship. They want to they want to be at the top of the mountain. They had a bad season last year by, you know, by their preseason expectations. And then it just, I, it narratively, it, it kind of, you know, it sounds good for them, right? That after that disappointing season, then they kind of have a lot, you know, they have less heralded players come back on their defense. Um, and then now, and then in a year also where OU had such high expectations and they've kind they haven't lived up to the expectations and OSU has exceeded their expectations. I think that adds a lot of context and that probably in, in my mind, um, and you know, I, I haven't talked to any Oklahoma State fans about this, but I would assume this game in, in the mind of Oklahoma State fans is is massive. Th- this is this is the biggest one for them in a really, really long time. Um, I like I, I know if I was an Oklahoma State fan, I would want this one so badly. So bad. Yeah, same. Same as I mean, they're a four point favorite. So I mean Oklahoma State is playing better football right now than Oklahoma. And Oklahoma State's at home, and they're favored by four, which means that even on a neutral field, Oklahoma State would still be favored slightly over Oklahoma. So the odds makers say Oklahoma State should win this football game. Oklahoma State fans, no doubt, should be incredibly confident going into this game. Uh, by the way, you were talking about who was the other quarterback in 2015 at Oklahoma State. J.W. Walsh. J.W. Walsh and Clint Shelf. I think Clint so Shelf was way Walsh, better, but yeah. they also they like had the exact same playing style. <laughs> uh, and by the way, 2017 Oklahoma State was ranked number 11, so that it was not a top 10 matchup. So just a couple things to clean up there. Uh, but yes, I'm with you. If you're an Oklahoma State fan, how can you not be super pumped about this game? I, I this defense. Oh, I bet. I bet is, most fans are terrified. I would guess. 
okay, sure, because uh, of the history. If I get that, it, and that's the only reason why. I mean, how many different times on this podcast do you say, you know, if well, I, you've said versions of like, you know, hey, if if we're if we're not connected to Oklahoma the way we are, if we're just kind of on the outside looking in, oh. Uh, Oklahoma looks like a great pick for this game. Like, why wouldn't you back Oklahoma here? That just makes tons of sense. But since we're so close to it, we can provide reasons of why eh, maybe you should not be so confident about that pick. That is what Oklahoma State fans, I think you're kind of referencing, is that historically this has been a one-sided rivalry. I mean, Oklahoma's won tons of games in this series. uh, But in a vacuum, in the context of the 2021 season, where all that stuff shouldn't matter, uh, Oklahoma State, should be incredibly confident, and we'll talk a little bit later in the podcast. The Cowboys are incredibly confident going. They are into this confident. Game. What what it's I would just, argue though is that I mean, they're if you if you take the totality of the season, there's really not a large di- like Oklahoma State is not obviously better than Oklahoma in the totality of the season. That's just not the case. Um, I I think I think there's definitely expectations that are being baked into the cake there. Whereas like whereas where OU's expectations were so so high, and they haven't really lived up to those. And OSU has exceeded those expectations. But if you actually look at the, at like on a game by game basis, and also just like, and I know that Oklahoma State, the last four games, they've been really, really good. Um, totality of the season, these teams are, are, are even. I mean, they're, they really are. Uh, there's like, it's for as good as Oklahoma State's defense has been, and their defense is, is excellent. It's an excellent defense. Uh, their offense, this is one of the worst Oklahoma State offenses of, at least of the last decade, um, or I, I don't even know, in a long time. They're, they're, they're just not an explosive bunch whatsoever. I, sure, I get what you're saying. And you said the totality. Okay, yeah, you make a good point. I suppose my rebuttal would be uh, the totality of the season doesn't necessarily matter. What matters more, I would say, it, it does matter. I say well, what matters more is how these teams are playing coming in. And they're getting Oklahoma at a time in which Oklahoma State's playing its best football of the entire season. If this game was happening in the middle of the year, in early October, whenever the defense was playing well back then, but it wasn't playing like it's playing now. It was still a good defense back then, and, and the offense was still kind of trying to figure itself out. Then the, whole, the totality of things and where they were getting Oklahoma, sure. I, I feel like it would be uh, like – I don't know. This is kind of more of a toss-up. Going into the game right now, Oklahoma State should feel like they're going to win the football game. Oh, by the way, they did get a shutout against Texas Tech, by the way. It, oh, wait. We were talking about this maybe off the air. I guess, it doesn't matter. No, I mean, uh, I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State fans should be confident that they can win the game for sure. I Like, it's even just taking into account how the season is gone, just like being utterly and overly confident in Oklahoma State's just not correct from, I think, like an analysis point of view. I you know I just I don't think it is like for as for as impressive as Oklahoma State's been the last four f- four or five weeks and they they've been great their defense has been great their offense at times has been great their offense last week in Texas Tech was not good they they were not good really at all um, so I mean if you're if you're gonna take in how they're playing coming into this like wh- why wouldn't I take into account the last game that Oklahoma State's offense played where they, they I mean they struggled to move the ball against Texas Tech consistently. That's fair, and you know, why is that? Is uh, you know we we talked about this off the air before the podcast. They're dealing with some injuries on the offensive line. How will that shake out against Oklahoma? Uh, it was even though every game at this point of the year is super important to Oklahoma State. Everyone's human. It could have been a a look ahead spot in some ways on the road against Tech coming off of a you know Texas Tech coming off of a big win. You got Oklahoma Oklahoma the week after that, and 
Sure, maybe the offense was more vanilla than they normally would be. But the thing is, though, the defense is playing so good right now that it, it didn't matter. I mean, they, they still beat the crap out of them. Uh, I know they only scored 23 points. It's it was still incredibly one sided. Texas Tech only had 108 yards of. No, total I mean, it offense. was it was it was very uh, one sided, but it was the you go look at the defensive numbers and like I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from how they like they've like obviously over the last the last four games that sample size Oklahoma State is has clearly been the best team in the Big 12 like I'm not but it also I it does matter that really none of those four teams are good teams that that does matter um because hey I mean we we've seen oh we, we've seen oh you look really good against some some of the same teams that Oklahoma State also looked really good against so I, I'm just saying you look at you look at how dominant that Oklahoma State defense was against Texas Tech and we saw we saw OU kind of carve up that Texas Tech defense. That, I mean, that's a game. That's a game. OU, Oklahoma State should have won by fifty points with how dominant their defense was, and they weren't able to do that because their offense just, I frankly, just not very good. Sure, uh, yeah, but I I can come back at you. Oklahoma State had no problem beating Kansas fifty-five to three. Oklahoma could have lost to Kansas. Uh, that that's ridiculous. Oklahoma State had no problems in Morgantown. Only gave up a field goal to West Virginia. Uh, and Iowa State had Iowa State lost to West Virginia there, uh, so I mean these teams that yes you're right these teams aren't great teams but Oklahoma State had zero issues with these teams and I get so your your point is the my, offense the my, offense my point is, is this is not is like I, I just it's Oklahoma State's defense is very good this is not the best Oklahoma State team of the last ten years or anything like that they're just not the 2017 team is better the 2013 team was much better the 2015 team arguably was better uh, it's it's this is a the Big 12 this year, straight up, just not very good. Not a very good conference this year. Um, and Oklahoma State's offense really is very limited. Uh, it's they, are, they, they, they really rely on being efficient and moving the chains five, four, five, six yards at a time. They, they, they really are just not an explosive offense. Um, so there's... So that's, so, uh, see, I, I just don't know, man. I, I, we'll, we'll know more about about this after the game. I'm curious to see how Oklahoma's offense plays against Oklahoma State defense. If Oklahoma's offense struggles and Oklahoma State's defense is really good, it, it'll make me think, hmm, I wonder how this Oklahoma State-type defense, how would it have played against 2017 Oklahoma's offense with Baker Mayfield? Could it, I mean, nobody was slowing that offense down. Nobody. Uh, Georgia finally did in the second half, and that was, that was it. And Iowa State kind of did for a little bit of time. Really, not really. It's just Oklahoma uh, turned the ball over once or twice. Uh, my point is... This Oklahoma State defense is really good. Yeah, sure, the Big 12, maybe not that great, but maybe it's better than we think. Like, do we even know how good the Big 10 is? I don't know. Uh, do we know how good the SEC I mean, the SEC is always good at the top. Georgia's great. Uh, so, like, maybe the Big 12 is a little bit better than we think. I don't know. Uh, but this Oklahoma State offense, yes, is not what it used to be. But what about this Oklahoma State offense against, like, the 2017 Oklahoma defense? Probably wouldn't have much, much trouble moving the ball. I mean, they'd find ways to move it, control it. You know, maybe play keep away from Oklahoma. So I don't know. Like I, I, we're we're debating past teams and whatnot. Uh, I'm just not as forceful as saying like, oh, this is not the best. Like, I think this is. I think this is the best Oklahoma State team in in a long time. Uh, yeah, that's just that's great. just not right. That's just not right. I, I don't think that's right at all. But I mean, we'll see. Like that I, that that doesn't it's, that it's doesn't so mean that they're not going to have come a really out good and play defense. well and win. But like, no, like, I mean, it no. Just, this, it shows you how important it is to have a great defense. Like it it just it masks so many other issues. And they could just roll out there and just wallop people. I mean, you know, you know how I could say that this isn't the best ever because, like, and we talked about this. They were a pick six in the red zone away from going down by three scores against Texas, twenty-four to three, in that game. 
They almost lost to, to Missouri State. They almost lost to Tulsa. They won by one point on the road at Boise. And I, I know that was in September. I get it. But typically teams that are like behemoths that are very, very good, it's those those games aren't really going to be an issue a lot of the time. Um, teams are allowed to get better uh, over the course of the season, and they clearly have. And I think in a season where, like, I think the Big 12 has been bad this year. I, I just, I, I think it has been. Um, OU hasn't been able to carry the flag for the conference. And I think in a season where offensive line play throughout the conference has been pretty bad, defenses have been pretty senior-laden and experienced. Um, and I think it makes sense that right now where we stand that the team with the best unit in the conference, which is Oklahoma State's defense, just seems to be the best right now. But I think people are really underrating how limited they are on offense. Like, really, really underrating it. All right, because, so let's get into it then. Because their limitations on offense have absolutely uh, made them vulnerable to lose games this season. If you just go and you just look at all of the teams with a pulse that they have played, and that's been the case. Okay, so in the rundown, I had uh, we go, you know, OU's de- offense versus Oklahoma State's defense. Since we're talking about that, let's actually let's let's start with Oklahoma's defense against Oklahoma State's offense because uh, you're a lot more forceful on this than I am. Uh, yes, I I do think that Oklahoma State's offense is limited, but I think it's I think it's fine and it's playing some of its best football right now. Now that being said. Oklahoma's defense, they're, they're getting Oklahoma State at a good time. The last two games, Oklahoma's, Oklahoma's, Oklahoma's defense is playing better football, which definitely makes me feel a lot better. So let's start with that. How about that? So uh, you were just kind of – you said Oklahoma State's offense is limited, but my first question, my first prompt is when you watch them on offense, what impresses you the most about this Oklahoma State offense? What makes you think, okay, this is pretty good? Well, I think I, I really do think their two best players on offense are Tay Martin and Brennan Presley. Um, Jalen Warren is fine; he's he's totally fine. But I, I their 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 greatest quality on their offense this season has been that they play complementary football to their their defense. They don't go three and out a lot. They they are able they uh, they don't go backwards a ton. But also the flip side of that is they don't really throw it downfield a lot with any sort of authority. Um, they uh, they, uh, they're they're pretty much just a four man. They're four man offense. It's it's Spencer Sanders, it's Jalen Warren, it's Tay Martin and Brendan Presley. Really, no one else is going to get involved really for in, in any sort of meaningful way that I've seen. Um, and they're also just there's not a ton of variation. It's a lot of inside, outside, and split zone, and a lot of play action off of that. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Um, they'll go, uh, they'll go. Uh, They'll go max protect a lot to take shots. They'll take uh, they'll take a handful of shots per game. It's typically at a max protect, um, but really for the most part, they just they are limited throwing the ball down the field. They're really limited doing that. And um, it's it's I I would say the thing that they do well the best is that they are athletic in the backfield. Spencer Sanders is limited, but generally does a pretty good job of getting the ball where it's supposed to go in the in the offense, and that keeps them ahead of schedule every now and then. But their lack of explosion, I, I think, has really been a problem for them. Okay, so uh, flip it over to me. What do I think is most impressive? I, I, I actually disagree. I, I, think, I think their offense is Jalen Warren. I, I do. I, uh, I, I think he's the most impressive thing about Oklahoma State. And he's slowed up a bit in recent weeks as far as his production goes. But, you know, I just find it interesting because coming into the season – 
the talk around Oklahoma State was all the depth at running back. You know, we heard about L.D. Brown. He was coming back, I think, for his sixth year. He's one of those guys. Desmond Jackson, who had the big game against Texas Tech last year. Dominic Richardson in his, I think, third year with the program. Then you got this transfer from Utah State, Jalen Warren. That was supposed to be kind of like a, a change of pace, kind of bowling ball type back guy. Pretty good, but you know, I, I heard positive things about him in the fall. But in my mind, it was L.D. Brown and Desmond Jackson and Dominic Richardson. And it's like, okay, where's this Warren guy going to factor in? And then we're here going into the last game of the regular season, and L.D. Brown's been a non-factor. He's been injured. Desmond Jackson non-factor injured uh but he i think he's back playing but he's just he's not playing he's not getting any snaps uh dom richardson dominic richardson he's been playing a lot lately and you said that mainly it's those four guys that get the ball richard uh i'm sorry uh, warren sanders presley and tay martin well yeah dominic richardson to that that list the last couple of games he had more touches more carries than jalen warren against texas tech so he's a guy that's been playing a little bit more lately and I'm just I'm really impressed with Warren. He, he's he's uh, he's a player that he's been he's been constant. He's a decisive runner. He's not a burner. He's not going to really run by you, but he's fast enough. Uh, he's tough to tackle. He can be explosive at times. He runs downhill. And you mentioned it. Yeah, you're exactly right. Oklahoma State runs a lot of outside zone, a lot of inside zone, and he gets a lot of his yards doing that. And he keeps Oklahoma State's offense on schedule. And you mix in now Dominic Richardson, who is more explosive than Warren and can, you know, his ability to take it to the house, maybe. And so does Warren. Uh, and they're basically a, a two headed backfield right now. And I think that's the most impressive thing about Oklahoma State's offense. If those guys don't get going, though, then that's an issue because uh, you mentioned how Spencer Sanders is limited. He, he's not a guy they want having to win the game with his arm. And you can make the argument right now, neither is Caleb Williams. He's not that guy either. But I think the running game is where it's at. And Oklahoma stymied Brees Hall last week. If Oklahoma is able to slow down Warren and Richardson, then that could be the ball game. Simply, simply put, that could be the game. I, see, this is I, I, I disagree with you. I, I, think if, I think if Oklahoma State is going to do damage in this game, it's going to be Martin and Presley. I, I really do. Um, that's Listen, I... I think Jalen Warren is fine. I think I think he's a good player. I think he's a good player. I, I I think a lot of his a lot of his numbers and a lot of everything has to do with volume at this point in time. In terms of the running backs that OU has seen this year, like and I'm thinking of Deuce Vaughn, I'm thinking of uh, Bijan Robinson, uh, Abram Smith, Treston Ebner, Brees Hall. Jalen Warren's not as not as good as any of those guys. He's he's not. Uh, he he just really isn't. Um, I mean he's not good. Doesn't mean he's not a solid player. He's just I Tay Martin and Brendan Presley scare me way more than Jalen Warren, like significantly. Okay. Um, all right. So the next thing I have for you, the next question I have is, what about this Oklahoma State defense? If anything, do you think that? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, we're, we're talking about Oklahoma State's offense. OU's defense. My bad. I was looking at my rundown the wrong way. All right. So, w- what about Oklahoma State's offense? Do you think Oklahoma's defense is going to be able to handle and be able to take take? take care of because uh you know it's it's a, it is a limited offense what about oklahoma state's offense do you think okay oklahoma's defense they that that shouldn't be much of a problem i i really do think they're going to be able to shut down the run in this game um one because i think i i, I, just, I don't think oklahoma state's offensive line is they're not bad it's not a bad offensive line i just don't think it's one that's overwhelming and is really going to lean on you a whole lot um and after last week seeing what they did against Brees hall and like you know, I, I I understand that they weren't great, um, 
you know, against Baylor, the fourth quarter, obviously they got they got run over in the fourth quarter of that game. But when Baylor just kind of tried to traditionally and conventionally run the ball in that game, they didn't have a lot of success really at all. Kind of running their staples of the inside and the outside zone. I know they they broke off one big one with Abram Smith. Um, I I really do think that they can make Oklahoma State one dimensional in this game. I, I think they can shut down Warren. And also, I mean, there's there, there's question about whether or not he's fully healthy as well. Um, I, I don't want to go too much into that because I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, Dominic Richardson is a guy, I, I don't know a whole a, a ton about him. Uh, but honestly, if he's a guy who's more dangerous than Jalen Warren, we would have already seen him this season a handful of times or, or more than we already have. And not so just, just lately. Of course, I mean, yeah, of course, those will be famous last words, I'm sure. But no, I, I really do think that if, I, I, I do think Oklahoma can can really lean on Oklahoma State in this game uh, with with their front four, their front five, those guys, um, I really do think guys like Isaiah Thomas, Jalen Redmond, especially Perry and Winfrey at times, Benito, of course, can can really control Oklahoma State's offensive front. I I, I think that and that and that's going to be essential, right? If OU wants to win the game, yeah, that's where I'm at too. Um, I you know I I'm curious to watch how this Oklahoma defensive line matches up with Oklahoma State's offensive line. I think it would be, yeah, I think it would be a huge mistake for Oklahoma State to come into this game thinking we're going to try to run the ball down their throats. That'd be a, that'd be a bad idea for them, I think. I think they, they need to be a little more creative in how they get uh, the ball to guys in space. So, like, for instance, I, I, I expect to see a lot of screens in this game, a lot of counter-type screens or trying to get OU's defense to go aggressively one way and then hit them in the opposite direction. I think we're going to see a lot of that in this game. Yeah, I... You know, you could be right, and I just kind of have the mind that Oklahoma State's offense and Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy, they just kind of they want to stay on schedule and do what they do, and that's control the football, uh, grind it out, lean on the opposing defense, and then let their own defense, Oklahoma State's defense, do, do its work. And you're right. I mean, they're going to have some shot plays in the playbook. They're going to dial some things up. They always do. Of course they, they will. But, man, I, if, if you're right, that that could be a problem, but also I don't know if Spencer Sanders is that guy. And, and I think Oklahoma's secondary right now is playing maybe some of its best football of the year. And I'm just basing it off of the last two games. I think you can. But like, if you, I think you can scheme yeah. stuff up against OU's defense though on play action, of you getting still Spencer can. Sanders oh, out yeah. of the pocket. Um, and and I think if Oklahoma State is is gonna is is gonna kind is gonna land some blows on offense in this game, I think it's gonna be stuff like that. It's it's gonna be schemed okay. up stuff. That's that's getting Sanders out of the pocket and then probably running crossers over the middle of the field. That's going to be sort of long developing stuff that they hit. I, I think that's that's what's that's where Oklahoma State I think is going to have success in this game on offense if they try. Which on, I mean I think they will. I really think that's that's what they're going to do. I, I don't think they're going to screw around in this game. I like I have. I, I really do think that they're gonna they're gonna throw everything at OU in this game. Is there? Something that you see from Oklahoma State's offense that you think, oh man, I, I don't know how, how OU is going to be able to stop that. Is it is it Tay Martin and Brennan Presley? Because honestly, yes, they're good players. Uh, they don't scare me as much as they scare you. I, they're Tay Martin's good. Brennan Presley's up and down. He's been inconsistent. It seems like one game he'll score three touchdowns. Next game, it seems like he's kind of absent. And then outside of those two guys, I mean, they don't really have any. I mean, they have Rashad Owens, who's had like 12 catches this year. Then they have the green twins, uh, two couple true freshmen. Uh, couple true freshmen. Uh, granted, yes, 
I mean, Tay Martin is a good player. So is Brennan Presley and Casey Dunn. And they'll figure out ways, you think, to scheme up open shots and open plays for those guys. Uh, but again, I, I like where Oklahoma's playing right now at corner. Uh, we'll see what DJ Graham, what his health is. Uh, Lincoln Riley said that he's questionable for the game. If he's out, then it'll be Key Lawrence and it'll be Woody Washington. And you'll expect to see those two guys the entire way. I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with where Oklahoma is right now with safety. With Pat Fields, I, I think Pat Fields is playing some good football. Delarian Turner Yell, obviously. What concerns me, really, when you're talking about the outside guys and just the receivers in general for Oklahoma State, is who who is Casey Dunn going to try to motion and get manned up and across from Justin Broyles? That's what concerns me the most, just like against Iowa State, uh, because he's kind of the weak link of this Oklahoma defensive secondary. And will they do that? Will they scheme things up? Because Oklahoma's defense allows that to happen. We've talked about it all the time. Uh, so that, uh, is there, so that's kind of my thoughts on, on those outside guys. Uh, there's not, there's not really anything on Oklahoma's offense that I think, uh, I don't know how, how Oklahoma is going to be able to attack that though. And a lot of that has to do with Oklahoma state's offense. Just it's, it's not the same kind of Oklahoma state dynamic explode type offense. What Wait, about you? I mean, what you is there anything that, that scares you? Um, no, I mean, it's, uh, so like one of the things, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm removing Kansas from this equation. Um, but this really Oklahoma, like teams that have a better offense that OU has faced since October, better than Oklahoma State, Texas, TCU when they played them, Texas Tech um, when they played them, Baylor, Iowa State. I think all are better offensive teams and present more problems than Oklahoma State does. And that's I, I mean that that's a testament, and that that shows you I think how great o- o- OSU's defense has been this season. But I mean this this Oklahoma State offense is really limited really really limited i mean they're 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 a lot closer to west virginia than they are to iowa state yeah and just think back to a season ago uh, i mean oklahoma state's offense didn't do anything against oklahoma i mean the game was in norman oklahoma's defense was playing really well uh, but oklahoma's defense right now is playing i mean again I, i said the iowa state game aside from the opening series and the final series I thought it was their best, most consistent performance on defense. And I think I was listening to the Gay Biker, Teddy Lehman podcast. I think one of those guys mentioned he thought you know, the first two series weren't great and the last two weren't great. So it was but in between it was great. I, I, you know, I, I kind of I mean, I, I understand, I guess, what he what he means by the first two and the last two. But uh, there was some like nice plays made here and there by Iowa State and those other ones where I thought, eh, that's not really on Oklahoma. It was just the last series. They gave up way too much. And then the first series, Iowa State had it so scripted. Anyways, point being is like Oklahoma's defense is playing pretty good football right now. Last year, I, this Oklahoma State offense, I don't know if it was better last year. Probably not because they were trying to figure out who their quarterback was. Spencer Sanders was in and out. Then Shane Illingworth came in. This year, it's a lot more consistent. So I'd say it's better this year just because of consistency. And they know what they are. They have an identity. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think Oklahoma has played against some better offenses. And the Sooners are getting Oklahoma State at a good time next thing how about Spencer Sanders we haven't really talked in depth yet about him and I mentioned last year's Bedlam game he was bad in that game he was bad in that game and then he got knocked out of the game Uh, and so far this year at least in the last five games even including the Iowa State game where they lost he's been pretty steady and playing some pretty good football statistically he wasn't that great against Texas Tech last week but they didn't need him to be that great he was good enough the, I mean, which Spencer Sanders are we going to get out there on Saturday? Is it going to be kind of the same steady game manager type guy who can make some plays with his legs and extend extend plays and 
show that athleticism or are we going to see the guy that we saw kind of in middle parts of the year where he was throwing some horrible picks against Baylor uh, he was making some really weird decisions uh, I, I don't know and that that could be the difference in this ball game honestly if if the good Spencer Sanders shows up and he's able to beat the Sooners with his arm and he's doing what you kind of think they're going to do then Oklahoma's going to lose this football game but if Oklahoma can kind of do what it did in a lot of ways to Brock Purdy last week, I'm going to feel really good about Oklahoma's chances in this football game, Grant. So what do you think about Spencer Sanders? I think Spencer Sanders is, is just is totally fine. I, I think he's a perfectly acceptable game manager. Um, man, I, I it's one of those games where I mean, I just I really want OU's coaching staff to just watch this guy and come in with a game plan of forcing this guy to throw outside the hash marks. I like I mean that that needs to be their game plan. Um if you watch them and hey I I mostly and of course I've watched OSU on and off this season and watched them. But I watched closely the three games. I watched uh, Texas, Iowa State and uh and last week against Texas Tech pretty closely. And really any time that Oklahoma State gets chunk play chunk plays in the passing game, it's over the middle of the field. Over the middle of the field on on sort of deep crossing routes or deep deep in routes stuff like that. Um Man, I'm telling you, when he when he is forced to throw the ball uh, outside the hash marks, man, that thing can float be- like big time. That thing floats there. He, if if you force him to throw it outside the hash, he's going to give you some opportunities to to pick it off for sure. Because he just doesn't have a lot of zip on, on on that, you know, outside the hash hashes like that. Ironically enough, against Iowa State, he had uh, he had one throw late in the game uh, that actually gave o- Oklahoma State the lead in the fourth quarter. That was probably his best throw, I would I would assume as a as a college player. Uh, the one to uh, the one to Tay Martin, in the uh, it was Tay Martin, right? I'm pretty sure it was Tay Martin. Yeah, um, it was Tay Martin. Where it was it was actually the opposite hash, and he just sort of but ball took a long time to get there, but he I mean he put it right on the money, um, and it was it, it was kind of a schemed up play too. But um, no, I mean he's 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 fine. He he's a guy who I don't think at this point in his career is really going to win a game for you. But he can definitely lose one for you, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, anything else on Oklahoma State's offense against Oklahoma's defense that we haven't hit on that you can think of? I, I, you know, you know, I, I mean, it's they really like kind of that the play action boot off of their split zone. They really like that play. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see OU struggle with that at times. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised because o, OU is so aggressive. They they over pursue a lot of the time. Exactly, yeah, I, can, I can see that happening. Would, too. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me to see that. Um, you know, it, it's I I really do think they're gonna they're they're gonna test and and poke and prod OU in every area where they've shown vulnerability this year. So expect them to to you know to attack the edge, throwing wide receiver screens, forcing OU's defensive backs to tackle. If it's Key Lawrence and and Woody Washington at corner, I feel a whole lot better about their ability to tackle for sure. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to see Oklahoma state do, do a lot of stuff that we haven't seen, seen from them this season. Um, and I mean, more so of a lot of that boot and play action stuff, especially if they're banged up on the offensive line. I don't know if their if their game plan is going to be, yeah, we're just going to run into a brick wall. Okay. Uh, let's flip the script. Let's go to Oklahoma's offense against Oklahoma state's defense. And that, I mean, both of these matchups are super interesting because uh, one, you got Oklahoma State's offense that is is not your typical Oklahoma State offense. That's you know, the last month, you know, five weeks, it's not one of the better offenses Oklahoma's faced. But it's an offense that 
that can get stuff done. That does have some weapons, and Oklahoma's defense is playing really well. You flip the script over to the fact that Oklahoma State's defense is playing its best football of the year, and Oklahoma's offense is playing its worst football of the year, uh, at least with Caleb Williams at the helm. I mean, back-to-back games where he was awful against Baylor. They couldn't really do anything. And then against Iowa State, he was a little bit better, and they were more in tune by, with running the football against Iowa State, which which was the reason why they were able to win that football game, mixed with the defense playing very well. So this matchup is super, super interesting, and this is our time to really go in-depth on the Oklahoma State defense. I ask you, what impresses you the most about the Cowboys' defense when you watch them on tape? Every single level, they are just they are remarkably sound in basically everything. Assignment, gaps. Um, I, we, we were talking about this before we went on. They, are, they, they just seem to be extremely well-prepared as in they know exactly what the other offense, what their staples are, what they what they want to accomplish, what they want to do, and they have a game plan to shut down every single one of those plays. Uh, a really good example of it is against Texas. This was in the first half. I think it was the it was I think it was the first time that Texas was in the red zone. Um, Texas ran the same play, uh, the same play that they scored uh, against OU on. Just kind of a bit of a rub route, sort of a kind of a slot fade in the um, in the end zone. And they came out in the exact same formation, did the exact same stuff pre-snap as they did against OU. And guess what? Oklahoma State knew exactly what they were going to run when they did that, and they defended it perfectly. Um, it was actually weird. The, um, the inside corner there actually took the outside receiver as he ran the slant on the inside. Um, and of course, the, the, I'm assuming uh, the safety, I guess, took the other one. Um, he knew yep. exactly what route the guy was going to run, and so they had it covered. Uh, it's stuff like that. And so... Oklahoma State is going to have a plan for all of OU's staples in this game, and they will be very, very prepared for them. And so that's where I, OU is going to have to have some wrinkles in this game. I think Riley knows that. I think he knows that. Um, but, man, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. Oklahoma State is going to make OU earn absolutely everything. And that's basically what Riley said Tuesday. I mean, he, he said basically a lot of the same things you just did. I mean, they make offenses earn every single yard. And I parrot and I share a lot of the same thoughts you have. I think their their football IQ as a unit is superb. Their tackling ability is superb. They they know what they're doing pretty much every single snap. Everybody knows their job. It seems like there's never any miscommunication. Like maybe half of the guys thought it was zone, half thought it was man, or they're they're kind of looking around and they're looking for the call. That doesn't ever seem to happen. Uh, the result of that is that players are very rarely out of position, which it, it makes, again, it makes the offense have to be pretty much perfect every single snap just to move the football. And after watching Oklahoma's defense this season, and a lot of the time since Alex Grinch has been at Oklahoma, and this is year three for him, it, this, this sounds a little extreme, but it, it does. It makes me angry. It makes me angry that at every single level, Oklahoma State seemingly knows what the heck they're doing every single play, and in turn... It puts each guy in position to make a play each snap. And also what it does is it prevents a lot of missed tackles because guys know where they're supposed to be, and that allows players to make those tackles, and it allows their help to come and clean up tackles. It just, And I'm sure that's what Alex Grinch's defense is designed to be as well. I'm, he's always talking about how there's always, you know, hey, there's, there's somebody that's supposed to be on that guy or there's somebody that's supposed to be there. With Oklahoma State and Jim Knowles, it seems like – there always is a guy there. They know what they're doing. So what's the difference? I get that there's a lot of veterans on this Oklahoma State defense. There's a ton of seniors, a lot of third, fourth-year players. I get that. 
And Oklahoma has some young guys, but Oklahoma also has a lot of veterans. I mean, look at their two safeties. Their two safeties have played tons of football. Their defensive line has a ton of veterans on it. The linebacker group, ton of veterans. It's not like Oklahoma's a bunch of young dudes. So it just makes me angry that Oklahoma defensively just can play well, and they played well the last two weeks. But you watch Oklahoma State, and it's just like, man, you have to really work just to get yards against them. And that is that can – I mean, that, that leans and weighs on offenses because you can't be perfect every single snap. This is college football. And so that's what impressed me the most about Oklahoma State's defense. Uh, what about this defense, Grant, though? I mean, we're, t- we're just we're singing our praises, though. Is there anything about this defense you see that you think Oklahoma can exploit? That Oklahoma, like, okay, yeah, Oklahoma's offense matches up pretty well against this part of Oklahoma State's defense. I, I mean, I don't know if they, if they match up, like, absurdly well in any sort of facet of this. But I, I really, like, I... I, when I watch Oklahoma State's defense, like I, I can see how good they are. I can see how sound they are. I can see that they know exactly what they're doing. I'm still not blown away by athletic ability and ability on the defensive line. I'm just not. I think a lot of the pressure that they that that um, that they get on the offenses really has to do with their pressure schemes and Jim Knowles being really creative in those. Um, and that that's not to say that their defensive line is not good. It is. I think it's I think it's the second best defensive line in, in the Big Twelve. I think they're really gap sound, and I think they're really smart. Oklahoma State is not going to get pressure in this game only sending their defensive linemen, period. They're not going to. Not any sort of consistent pressure. But that's where their pressure schemes come in, and that like, and I am like legitimately worried about that. I'm, I'm worried about Caleb Williams going against kind of those exotic pressure looks because there's times where Oklahoma State's defense, straight, they look like NFL defenses with some of their pressures. Um, and it's where you had just you have no idea where guys are coming from. So I disagree with you. I think their defensive line is really good. I, I think I think over the course of the season, it's proven it's better than Oklahoma's. I mean, it's it's been a lot more productive. They've gotten they've just done a lot more. It's a lot more consistent. I think you yeah. I think I think you can definitely make the argument that Oklahoma State's def- defensive line is more consistent. Um, the ceiling on OU's defensive line, I think, is much much higher. Maybe it's just we're 12 games in, though, and Iowa State was the first time I think that ceiling might have been met. You know, it's, it, But the ceiling for Oklahoma State, I, I'm going to guess, has been met a lot. I mean, they're in the backfield a bunch. And, and a key, and you, you hit on it, it's the exotic pressures. It's not just those guys rushing. I mean, Malcolm Rodriguez has a bunch of sacks this year, and he's, he's not an edge defender. He's a middle linebacker. No, he only has I one. Mean, he's, he only has one. I looked it up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. TFLs. My bad. TFLs. He's got a lot. Yeah, he's got a lot. He's, of t- he's like he's like top three in the Big Twelve in TFLs. I think he's got eleven and a half TFLs. Uh, Devin Harper's got five sacks. Uh, he's a big kind of like he, he's one of those guys that kind of looks scary in his uniform for, to be, especially as a linebacker. He's they've know, also Perry on Winfrey's a big dude. Yeah, they've they've yeah. perfected the delayed blitz. They're really good at that, and those are terrifying. Yeah. And so there was a moment, yeah, there was a moment against Iowa State I was watching. I put a note down. It made me wonder. I didn't see it again, but again, again I didn't get through the entire Iowa State game, full transparency. I kind of jumped around, bounced around. But there was a moment where it looked like a delayed blitz, and Harper and Rodriguez both came and got a sack on Purdy. I think, though, what it ended up being, it, it, I think in, on that play, Rodriguez was just spying Purdy, and I think Harper was on – Brees Hall and so once Brees Hall stayed in the block it turned into a green dog and once Purdy was throwing Rodriguez was like all right I'm just gonna so it turned into a delayed blitz I mean it it turned into like a double green dog blitz 
And with Oklahoma State's defensive line getting pressure, and then those guys, it just was there's that many extra men that rushed, boom, like eight yard sack and stuff like that worries me <laughs> like it doesn't happen all the time sure but the fact that it, that's in there it's in their repertoire is like ah oh, crap how is oklahoma going to handle that what i do because because you asked where you know where do i think oh you could maybe exploit them or where they have man this is a game where i really wish they had rodney anderson circa 2017 in in the past game that is um because i i like i this is this is kind of a big thing in the nfl too right i mean what do you do against like a really good aggressive attacking style defense throw to your running back man um, and then so like I've, I've, I kind of circled it and I wrote the, I wrote the note down here. Is this the Eric Gray breakout game in, in, in the passing game? Um, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, I, I'm sure, you know, it, it's, it's not just going to show up out of nowhere now, you know, in the 12th game of the season, but it makes me think, gosh, they're, I, they may have something there in, in the passing game with their running backs in space against the linebackers. There really might be something there. And so I can build off that because when I was watching the Texas game, I'm sure you can remember this, whenever Bijan scored to make it 17-3, to it was one of like, the first part of the Texas game, Oklahoma State was playing a lot more man than I thought they, they played. And, they were, and Texas was moving the ball. The first five series of the game for Texas, they scored two touchdowns and a field goal, and mixed in there was a couple of three and outs, but Texas was moving the ball. They were moving it at seven yards per, per play clip. And the touchdown to make it 17-3 to was in a man defense so on that play Bijan was manned up against Devin Harper who was in the middle of the field and so he had to get through all of the the clutter just to get to Bijan they just swung it out to him and it was an easy walk-in touchdown and so I made a note down it's like okay I thought Eric Gray as well but my thought is how much is Oklahoma State going to play man against Oklahoma I mean they're going to do it and against Texas a lot of the time in that first half it was on third down a lot and that particular play, it wasn't third down, it was first down. So my thing is, where can Oklahoma exploit Oklahoma State potentially? And I'm with you. There's not a whole lot of things out there that, say, that screams like, oh, man, oh, you can take advantage of this. But if I didn't nitpick it, I would say, when Oklahoma State is in man, know that, figure it out, and you can, you can be, play, you know, have some man beaters. And if you got an audible, you got to go to something, get the ball out to your running back, who's going to be probably against a linebacker. That stuff. And then, in addition to that, Oklahoma State's secondary is pretty aggressive. Uh, they, there's, there's some tugging, some pulling, some, 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 some Trey Brown type, some Trey Brown type technique there. All PI offense? Tra- and so, yeah, and so like, I know your listeners are out there will be like, are you, are you starting to say, like, Oklahoma, try to maybe draw some PIs? Because... Have you been watching the games lately? They're not calling PIs against defenses that are going against Oklahoma right now, and you'd, you'd be right. But uh, you know, maybe this is the game where it starts to change if they want to start taking some shots, and maybe you got some Oklahoma State corners, Jark, Bernard, Converse. Maybe he's grabbing, tugging, pulling. Uh, Tanner McAllister out there. I think he's a safety, one of the corners. Uh, yeah, they, they have some good players out there, but maybe they're going to be a little too aggressive, and it's going to be to the point where the officials can't keep the flags. Maybe that's part of the game plan it's kind of a nitpicky thing but if that happens and there's some flags maybe that gets Oklahoma State's heads a little bit and that changes up the way they call their defense I mean probably not but that's kind of my I'm trying to think outside the box here of where they could exploit some stuff that's that's what I came up with so whenever they're in man coverage try to know it and take advantage of it and then maybe test it out see if you can get some PIs I would also really like to see some tempo after first downs as well 
Um, I think that's one of the best things you can do against an elite defense is because nobody defenses don't like tempo. None of them do. You should always do the thing that they don't want you to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, high, tempo, high level tempo. analysis from me. Yeah, and we know Oklahoma can do tempo. And I mean, Oklahoma State's going to try to do some tempo as well against OU's defense. So it'll be curious. It'll be interesting to see where the offenses utilize tempo here and there because both both teams will will do it at times. All right, last thing on this side of the football. This is the question for you, Grant. Is Oklahoma simply being able to run the football against Oklahoma State effectively the key to winning this football game? I mean, if if OU runs the ball well in this game, they're going to win. What does what does well mean? I, I I just I don't know if they can run the ball well in this game. I, I don't I don't know if that's like I think it's more I think it's more likely that if OU wins this game, it's probably going to be Caleb Williams making plays. Sure, and or or it's or it's, or it's the defense just playing really well and Caleb Williams yeah. doing just enough. And yeah, so to answer my prompt, I I think if yeah you're right. If Oklahoma does run the ball effectively. Uh, they win the football game. I, I, I think that's one of the matchups that you can point to and say, oh, you runs the ball, let's say, like they did against Iowa State, over 200 yards, and maybe they run it even more. Oh, you wins this football game. They do. I mean, that means Oklahoma runs the clock, even though, weirdly, Oklahoma ran the ball pretty well against Iowa State, and Iowa State still had the football for two-thirds of the game. Well, they didn't, <laughs> but, like, the, the play calling was super bizarre in that game. They, re, like, they didn't really try to run the ball, like, but, like until the fourth yeah. quarter for the most part. Right, so uh, you would you would hope that Lincoln Riley is learning. He's building these game plans off of the past couple of weeks. So he gets more of an idea of what Caleb Williams can do, and that's what we talked about on Tuesday. He said they're still trying to figure, uh, feel themselves out. They're still trying to figure out what he's good at, what they can get get away with, what they can do. Uh, but yes, I think if they run the ball, OU wins the football game. Uh, it opens up the playbook. It takes the pressure off of Caleb Williams. And here's the thing: Oklahoma State is not expecting Oklahoma to be able to run the ball well. I mean, they're not because nobody's really ran the ball well against Oklahoma State all season long. So if the Sooners come out and they run a lot of power and a lot of outside and inside zone, things that Oklahoma hasn't done a whole lot of this year, but they did more so against Iowa State than they had recently and had some success, and they pick up solid yardage on that. And they're getting chunk plays, six, seven yards here, first down. I mean, Oklahoma State's defense might panic a little bit because they're not going to want to bring in more guys into the box to help out against the run that they necessarily need to because that's not part of their game plan. They haven't had to do that this year because they're so good at stopping the run with their front. So, yeah, that's the big simple X factor, but you made the point. I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball in this game. And I'd say in all likelihood, Oklahoma probably won't. I mean, if they continue to run the same kind of schematics that they usually have all year, they're not, you know, they're, they're trying to do the counter a lot, these slow-developing plays, that's probably not going to work very well. So then, you, yeah, you force Caleb Williams to win the game with his arm. And, I mean, the past two games is evidence that he can't really do that right now. And that's the scenario that, that worries me the most. Yeah, I, I also think you got to put him in better positions. you got to get him in more rhythm. There needs to be easier passes. And, hey, I mean, maybe Oklahoma State totally takes that away. I, I don't know. I, I'm of the opinion, I, I, I think Oklahoma State's going to probably come into this game thinking that their defensive front can handle the run like they have the entire season, and I think they are going to play that shell zone coverage because that, I mean, that's the playbook against OU right now. Um, and I, like, they are going to force, I think they're, they're going to, um, they're going to want to give looks where they, where OU wants to run the ball, and then they're just, they're, they're going to trust their front and their, 
their senior late in front to, to shut that down um, in hopes that they'll totally take away any big plays down the field. Because I, I still think, even after the last two weeks with K, I still think opposing DCs, that's by far their biggest fear with OU. Still, it has to be. Well, yeah. I, I, I think I think still Caleb Williams hitting you downfield and then him him getting away from an aggressive front and running the ball and running down the field are, are by far sure. their two biggest concerns. They they have to be. They would I think they'd be foolish for it not to be. All right. So before I ask you what you're feeling, what are your thoughts? Uh, if you're gonna pick a winner or not, you know, what are your, your final thoughts on this game? I, I do want to go through this one kind of bit of a rant I had and it goes along with the Oklahoma State defense, and you brought it up earlier in the podcast, the Texas game, where Oklahoma State may have saved their entire season on one play in that Texas game. The Longhorns are going in to score in the red zone, and Jason Taylor picks off Casey Thompson, returns it for a touchdown, makes it 17-10. to 10. And that changes the entire game, the entire momentum of the game, and from there on out, Oklahoma State played a lot better. And so when I was going back and watching that tape, you know, I saw it when it happened you know, weeks and weeks ago, but I wanted to actually break it down and see what happened. And so the situation is it's third down and 10. So it's, I mean, Oklahoma State got them in the third down. So at worst, it's going to be a field goal, make it 20 to three. It's at the Oklahoma State 18 yard line. Texas is an empty. Oh, by the way, Oklahoma, I think you said this on the last podcast. You want to see Oklahoma spread it out more? I, I do too. In this game, I think that's, there, there could be some plays there where they spread Oklahoma State out and they go empty. And also easier to see where, where pressure is coming from when you spread it out like that. Okay, yeah, and that's just, I mean, how much do you trust Caleb Williams at this point to see that he makes the right read? I think there look, there could be some stuff there. I uh, just wanted to throw that in there as an aside. Do you got something else on that, on empty? No? Okay. So back to this play. So it was Texas was an empty. It was a three-by-two set, and they motioned Bijan Robinson into the backfield to create a three-by-one set. Oklahoma State is showing really soft cushion to the field side, to the, the trip side. And up to this point, on third down, they've been in man coverage quite a bit. But this does not look like man. It's it's super soft. So you should not think this is man if you're a quarterback. And it wasn't. But I think Casey Thompson must have thought it might have been man. Uh, instead, though, it was, it was cover two. And it was a disguised cover two. Doesn't look like cover two. But at the snap, it's cover two. And Jason Taylor is playing safety. And his role in this play is he comes down and he ends up being the hook player, the hook curl player in cover two. And I was listening back to the last podcast. We were talking about uh, that play late in the game on fourth down when Oklahoma blew that that zone coverage when they were in cover two after that timeout against Kohler. And I think we were talking about David Oguebu and what his role was on that play. And I think I said that he went into the flats like he was supposed to. And I, I said that wrong. That's that's not correct because we know in the, the the corners have the flats in cover two. They come up, they have flat, uh, and they, they have to get back. You know, if there's somebody kind of in that window, if they're if there's nobody in the flats, Agwebu was probably the hook curl type player, and that's exactly kind of like right on the hash mark, kind of in that area, and that's what Jason Taylor's job was. But here's why I wanted to bring this up: is from the snap. Jason Taylor, as a safety, knowing he's the hook curl player, he's in zone, he's reading Casey Thompson's eyes the whole way. And like a good safety should be doing, Thompson, he's, he's, he's reading Thompson's eyes, and Thompson's eyes takes Taylor right to a pick six. And yeah, this is a great play. This is a really great play. He picks it off, houses it. But here's the thing. Honestly, it's a play that any college safety 
who understands his role in a particular defensive call. It's any play that guy should make. And I bring it up to praise Jason Taylor, but also to praise Oklahoma State's coaching staff to getting him prepared. And I go back to that Baylor game, and I had a thing on the podcast about it. And I'm not so sure that Pat Fields makes this play as a safety, as a veteran safety, uh, because, again, he had the same type of opportunity a couple weeks ago against Baylor, and he failed to even be a part of that play. And I, I'm sorry to Pat for bringing him up here. I, I, again, he's a veteran player. He can take it. He's an adult. I just want to make a point as why can Jason Taylor, he's a veteran player too, but he hasn't played as many snaps in his career as Pat Fields. Why, can, why does Jason Taylor read the quarterback's eyes, let the quarterback take him to the football, and he scores? It's Oklahoma State player. And then when o, an Oklahoma safety who's in his third year as a starter is given a similar chance in the game against a, a one-read quarterback, and not a very good quarterback in Gary Bohannon, that safety doesn't even, doesn't even factor into the play. He's even reading the quarterback's eyes. And, and, so... That just, in a nutshell, and, well, I mean, there's a lot more factors to it, but another it's reason why Oklahoma State's defense is so good. It's preparation. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's not just as easy as, it's preparation and, and football IQ as well. Because in that situation, right, I mean, he's, it's, it was a three-by-one set. Taylor was on the side where it was just one wide receiver. He knows that no. it's zone coverage. So no, no, Taylor was on the trip side. He was on the trip side? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was trips to the field. And he was the hook curl defender there on cover two. The corner was down low. They, they had two deep safeties go back. They disguised it. Didn't look like cover two. But, I mean, it's a bad read by Casey Thompson. In his mind, I don't know if he thought it was man, and he figured that the guy across from Jason Taylor, that receiver was going to just run a go up the field and wash Taylor out of the play, and that slant would be there. My, but it was zone coverage. Yeah. My, my point is Taylor probably had a pretty good idea of the play that they were going to run based off the formation they were in is all I'm saying. He probably thought it was a, there was a really good chance that that was going to be a slant to the guy there. That's possible because they were giving so much cushion. Yes, that was probably in his mind. But I, I, I would say it doesn't even matter if he was anticipating a play or not because his job in that cover two was to be in that kind of hook curl area. And so he was coming down and at the snap, of course you read the quarterback's eyes. I mean, you have people behind you. Like, you're not the deep safety. And so everything about that, just his own job, took him to the football, and he made a play. And going back to the, the Baylor example, that was a situation where the play was on the backside. It, it went to Tyquan Thornton on the backside of the play, but that's where Pat Fields was lined up. And for whatever reason, at the snap, he turned his entire body to look towards the field side away from his closest receiver, and he knew that it was man coverage of the corner, but he wasn't even really helping out the corner on the play. And I don't know why he thought that he should look to the other side of the field and not even look at the quarterback. And if he would have been looking at the quarterback at the snap like he should have been, unless he's been taught to not do that, and then in that case, I'm totally wrong about this, and that's a coaching thing, the ball would have been, he would have been taken right to the ball, and it, it could have been a pick six going back for Oklahoma, which would have been a massive play in that game. And to bookend it, or to put a bow on it, that Jason Taylor play made it 17-10 to 10 and totally changed that game up, and Oklahoma State went on to win that football game in Austin. He didn't make that play. Maybe Texas kicks a field goal. It's 20-3. to three. You know, Maybe Oklahoma State bounces back, figures it out, and still wins the game. I don't know. But that play made a huge difference. Maybe if Pat Fields 
picks that ball off, takes it to the house. That's a huge momentum play, and maybe Oklahoma saves its season and is still undefeated right now going into this Bedlam game. I don't know. Uh, it, so, I mean, one guy makes a play. The other guy isn't even a factor in the play. And just that particular instance is kind of what worries me. Oklahoma State seems a lot more prepared than Oklahoma does a lot of the times. Again, fortunately, though, Oklahoma's defense the last couple of games has looked really good, even though I'm, I'm picking on Pat Fields for the Baylor game. I, I think Pat Fields has played fine. I think he's played pretty good the last couple of games. It's just that one Pat instance Fields has where been, it's like, has been fine all season. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it's just, it's man, it's on a defense that emphasizes takeaways so much. And Oklahoma has gotten a lot of takeaways this year. They really have. It's just plays like that should be made. So that's my, my last uh, rant going into the last part of it, Grant. All right, so what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Uh, what do you want? Do you want to make a pick? Do you want to have a prediction, or do you just want to? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make a pick. I, I would, you know, early, uh, earlier in the week, I was feeling pretty confident about this game. Uh, as we've gotten later in the week, my, my confidence has waned a little bit. Here, here's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I have a bunch of different thoughts about this game. It wouldn't surprise me at all, right, if, if OSU just comes out totally fired up, plays really well, and just kind of, and just sort of kind of lets momentum take them and to win this game, and it's just sort of is a disaster for OU. I think everyone, if they're being honest, can picture that happening and doesn't think it would be that, that much of a stretch. Um, having that been said, though, I, I, I do think we're getting to the point where Oklahoma State is being a little overrated going into this game by people. Um, their defense is not. Their defense is maybe underrated. Um, but also at the same time, like, I, I, I really do think Oklahoma State's offense is going to give OU a lot of opportunities in this game to seize momentum and to can they make, you know, can they take advantage of, of those opportunities? Who knows? We'll see. Um, I think... From a gambling perspective, I think OU on the money line is 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 the pick here. If if you're a gambler, from an OU fan perspective, it's hard for me, you know, to think of the offensive performance in the last two games. And then when I watch Oklahoma State on tape, it's hard. It, it, yeah, it's 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 really easy for me to to think of a scenario where Oklahoma State's defense really kind of shuts down OU. And I I think that's kind of the fear of everyone in this game. Um, I don't know. There's I, I I can also pretty easily plausibly see a way that OU wins this game and and score some points uh, because I still think they have the best players on offense in the conference and I still think the best players on offense that Oklahoma State has seen this season that hasn't really mattered against Iowa State and and Baylor all that much, but it may in this game. And so I I don't really think history plays a, a big part in this game at all. It's just all going to be about. Uh, the, the the human beings that are on the field when that when that game kicks off and history is not going to matter anymore. Uh, I will say that if you want to look at narratives and you want to kind of look ahead to that, I, I think obviously this was if Oklahoma State wins this game and then goes on to win the Big Twelve Championship, whatever. I mean, this is clearly going to be a pretty magical thing for them. Um, and obviously, if if OU stands in the way of that and just says no, nope, no, nope, it's not going to happen. You're still little brother. That would obviously be very delicious. Obviously. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I, there's uh, th- this game can go a lot of different ways. I think the most likely scenario, right, is that it's going to be a it's going to be a knockdown, drag out, bare knuckle fight, just kind of like how all of OU's games have been this year. Um, that's that's in, and I know the final score didn't really portray it in Baylor, but that's how the Baylor game was for the first three quarters. I mean, it was just a brawl, um, and then Baylor was able to make some explosive plays there at the end. This game is it's probably going to be really similar to the, to the Baylor game. 
who's going to make the plays at the end. Oklahoma State's not as explosive. They don't have anyone as explosive as Abram Smith. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma has the more explosive players in this game, and I don't think it's totally illogical to maybe to, to, put, to put your faith behind that. But also, I've seen this OU team play this year, and they don't inspire a ton of confidence. <laughs> so take take that you know take that how you will i'm not super confident but also i, I can easily see a scenario where, where they win this game and they're impressive doing it okay yeah i think all that's fair uh i'll, I'll start i'll tell you what here's what i like here's what i like right now about the way this game is being set up kind of the vibes around this game leading up to it i like that oklahoma is an underdog and I like that Oklahoma is more than a field goal underdog. That doesn't happen very often, especially in this game. So I like that Oklahoma is being slighted. Granted, uh, you would have thought that being so low in the college football playoff rankings for a couple of weeks would have put a chip on their shoulder and they would have been prepared yeah, like, for Baylor better. But Yeah, yeah motivation stuff is just... I, I think it's such a slippery slope, and that's why I don't, I don't really put any sort of stock into bulletin board material. It's because it doesn't matter. That's just, that stuff does not matter at all. It just doesn't. The, whoever wins this game is going to be the more well-prepared team that makes the biggest plays. And whatever Spencer Sanders or whatever some random Oklahoma State player says isn't going to change that. Well, it doesn't matter if you are the team or like, it doesn't matter. Like if you're, the, if you're the one providing the bulletin board material, and you know you're way better, and you go on and, and beat the crap out of a team. It, yeah, it don't matter. Where it does matter, though, is if you're mistaken. If you have not fully taken the temperature of where you are and the opposing team. That's where it does matter. And in this scenario, that funny you bring that up. That's another thing that I like about this game. Because Oklahoma State is super confident. They like You mentioned a random player. That random player was Tay Martin, so he's one of their best players. And he said after the Texas Tech game that he expects to whoop OU's butt. Uh, but then if you listen to the whole quote, it doesn't sound that bad. He says because he always expects to go into any game and whooping the opponent's butt. So it's like, all right, like you can play that. But it wasn't as bad as maybe it sounded. But you mentioned Spencer Sanders. And I, he had a really weird soundbite to me on Tuesday. And so after we debated the Matt Campbell soundbite last week, I listened back to the show, and I, I realized, man, I wish we would have been able to play that. I wish I would have pulled that soundbite just so we could have played it on the podcast for our listeners in case they hadn't heard it yet. And so for this episode, since I knew I'd be referencing the Spencer Sanders soundbite, I actually pulled it because it just, to me, this sounds weird. And if you haven't heard it, I will play it for you right now. Well, I already know what's going to happen. You know, obviously, if we, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say we're going to win. I got confidence in our team. Um, but um, yeah, I just, I can already feel it. You know, if we win, then they're going to bring up history stats and all that. But honestly, I'm just going to, I'm just going to smile. And you know, we won, so I guess it's not going to bother me. So it's like, uh, it's like leaving a, somebody, like leaving a bad taste in somebody's mouth when they're leaving. You know, it's like you're going to have to deal with that. Like your last game with me, you lost. So I don't want to hear about no history. I don't want to hear about stats. I want to hear about that game. Uh, okay, so either that's going to sound like really cool and awesome around 10 o'clock on Saturday night, or it's going to sound really dumb. And my biggest issue with what he, what he said is he's like, well, I already know what's going to happen. We're, we're going to win. But here's the thing. His tone, he doesn't sound like he's all that confident. 
Like he kind of sounds like he's unsure about it because then he, he talks, he kind of rambles a bit and, he, and he's like, oh, if we win. And so it's almost kind of like he immediately maybe regretted it. But then he, he starts talking about history and stats. And then I had to listen to it a couple of times, actually four, five, six times. And I finally kind of realized what he was talking about and referencing at the end of it. I think he's talking about, you know, beating Oklahoma and leaving a bad taste in their mouth because it's going to be the last game of the season. Uh, and you're, you know, you're in Stillwater. And he's like, yeah, I don't, yeah I'm, I'm going to beat you. And then I'm going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. So I think that's what he was referencing there. I just thought it was a weird thing for him to say. And then I have to remind myself that he's like a, probably like a 21-year-old kid, and 21-year-old kids say weird stuff. It's very, I, very likely, the overwhelming likelihood, that it was just a comment that he didn't think about at all until he opened his mouth. Like, you know, like a 21-year-old is, is prone to do. And that's why I just sure. like, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. That, like what he said is not, is not going to play any factor at all on second and seven in the second quarter of the game, like just not. You don't know that. I just it's 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 something to talk about. It's something to get everyone fired up, and I like it. Like I, I, I want this stuff to be publicized because that's that's one of the fun things about college sports. Like it's it's always fun when people are talking trash, and that this isn't really talking trash from from Spencer Sanders. Um, I don't know. I guess I, I'm just I, I understand. There's a lot of people who like this stuff. I I'm just not. I I don't I don't think it matters. At all, I, I just I I highly doubt that that is going to be on anyone's mind when they're on the field on Saturday night. In fact, I think there's a zero percent chance that's the case. I disagree. I disagree, and I I think what so it was his tone and the fact that he's like, yeah, I already know what's going to happen. And I think my biggest problem is that it's from Spencer Sanders because he didn't play very well last year. Like if this was from, I mean, Tate Martin is a good player. Like if this was from one of the defensive players, I'd be like, okay, yeah. I mean, they're they're kind of dominating right now. Like it's just Spencer Sanders. He's playing good football right now. Didn't play his best game against Texas Tech, but he's playing some good football. It's just that in this game historically, he hasn't been all that good. So uh, maybe that's why I'm I'm kind of like, yeah, that's kind of a weird thing for him to say. I feel like he should have been a little bit more aware of personally how he's played in this game and just kind of trying to keep things neutral. You guys, on the flip side, Oklahoma, I mean, they talked Tuesday, only gave us three players. Uh, no bulletin board material, very complimentary of Oklahoma State. Uh, Jeremiah Hall said, yeah, I, I know that Oklahoma's won a lot of these games in the past, but that might be cool for trash talk, might be cool for tweets and stuff, but it has nothing to do and no impact on the game on Saturday. So uh, Oklahoma was very complimentary. Here's the thing, though. I mean, the last couple of times that, teams have kind of talked trash or called their shot against OU going into a big game I don't know if Oklahoma's really be able to come up and do anything about it I mean I think back to the LSU game <laughs> I think LSU guys or a couple guys that were saying some stuff I want to say maybe a, one or two guys before the Alabama game might have said some stuff and Oklahoma got beat by Alabama I know the Florida game last year like one random Florida guy said something but that Florida game was so weird because you know nobody played for Florida I mean Kadarius Tony didn't play uh, all, what their top three receivers didn't play. It was a weird game. Uh, so I guess Oklahoma kind of, I mean, Oklahoma definitely did use that. Like, I remember after the game, I think it was Isaiah Thomas, somebody referenced what that guy said. So Oklahoma used that in that Florida game as some motivation. So I promise you they will have seen and heard everything Oklahoma State said. Now, you know, what will they do with that? I don't know. I mean, will they be prepared? They still got to be prepared for Oklahoma State's offense. The, the, on, on the good side, though, Again, what I like is that Oklahoma's defense is playing good football right now. So I do think Oklahoma could slow down Spencer Sanders. I think that is healthy. plausible. <laughs> and they're they're healthy. I mean, DJ Graham, we're we're not sure what his status is, but 
for the most part, I mean, they're healthy. I mean, gee, Woody Washington played every snap, every snap on defense on Saturday. I am just, I'm so floored by how, he how effective he is. He's been good for him. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so, so that's like kind of what I like about it. Here's what I don't like though about about this matchup, this scenario going in this week. I, I mean, okay, we've talked about Oklahoma's defense a lot, Oklahoma State's defense a lot. Pardon me. I don't like how prepared Oklahoma State's defense has been lately and really all year. I mean, they they know what Oklahoma wants to do for the most part. And if Lincoln Riley wasn't prepared yet again for a Dave Aranda Baylor defense a couple weeks ago, is he going to be ready? Is he going to have his team prepared, his offense prepared for a much better Oklahoma State defense? Uh, I don't like that Oklahoma State is at home. I don't like that it's a night game. Uh, I See, I actually like that part. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Okay. I think that I I, th- I think that locks you in more. I didn't like I didn't like I didn't like Waco being at eleven a.m. Hmm. Don't you usually like those road eleven a.m. games though? Yeah, the idea being right that it's more rowdy at night and it's more. But go look at history, man. They they're they're freaking nails on the road at night when since Riley has been here. Okay. So okay. I'll just say that the two big things, and we've referenced them already on the podcast. I'll just repeat myself. I think that if Oklahoma offensively runs the ball effectively in this game, and by effectively I mean like they're able to push the pile, pick up first downs, control the clock, they're going to win the football game. I think that one matchup there can win Oklahoma the football game because it will lead to so many other things. So there's that one. And then on the flip side, if they can somehow do that and then mirror it up with an Oklahoma defense that slows down Jalen Warren and Dominic Richardson and slows down the Oklahoma State run game, Oklahoma's definitely going to win this football game. I, I, I think those are the two easy line of scrimmage type things to point to. Now, outside of that, if you want to get even more simple, I guess, the quarterback matchup, and this comes down to the defenses as well. If we get Caleb Williams, again, you know, more like Texas, more like TCU, more like Texas Tech, those type performances, Oklahoma's going to win the football game. If we get more Caleb Williams like against Baylor and like uh, against Iowa State, then I would say Oklahoma likely will not win the football game because that means that Caleb Williams will probably have to do a lot more to himself. If he's trying to throw more, he's making mistakes. That means they can't run the ball. They're probably not going to win. On the flip side, though, Oklahoma's defense can do similar things to Spencer Sanders. He's been playing pretty good of late, but let's say his offensive line is a little banged up right now. Uh, I know their center missed last game. Maybe he'll be back this week. We'll see. And Josh Sills, their starting one of their starting guards, didn't start last game, but then he had to come in uh, after his backup was hurt in the first series against Texas Tech. So how healthy is Josh Sills? So uh, there's a little bit of a potential health issue on the offensive line for Oklahoma State, and that was an issue last year against uh, in Bedlam as well. Whenever um, I'm blanking on the the guy that the Bears drafted. He ended up leaving the game in like the second quarter. Uh, the tackle. Why can't I think of his name right now? Oh, um, yeah, the right. Tevin tackle. Jenkins. Tevin yeah. Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and, and he he got hurt. Granted, he he was in and out a lot last year. I'm not sure if that's the same as this, but if Oklahoma State's not fully healthy on the offensive line, I think that's certainly a benefit for Oklahoma uh, because Oklahoma is, as far as we know, on the defensive line, good to go. Uh, Talking about Oklahoma's offensive line, Lincoln Riley said he expects Andrew Rame to be available and to play. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I will. I, I know that we talked about his injury a little bit. Maybe it wasn't as bad as maybe we thought. Uh, but you always say, Grant, a lot of the things he says are not true. Like, I would not be surprised. Like, Riley said that he expects 
Raheem to play and DJ Graham is questionable. I would not be surprised at all if DJ Graham is out there full suited up playing and Raheem is in street clothes. <laughs> it's like the one that we thought might play or anyways. Um, wait, were you motioning somewhere? Do you got to go? Oh, sorry. I thought you were motioning somewhere. Good, good. We got a lot left. Uh, so that's, I mean, Oklahoma on the offensive line. I mean, Eric Swenson could get a lot more playing time. He played a lot against Iowa State. We'll see how that goes. Um, so I wanted to present all of that stuff up there to get to the point where, again, at the start of this podcast, I said earlier today, Wednesday morning, I picked Oklahoma State to win the game by 10, 24 to 14. I don't know if I've seen enough or heard enough in the last eight hours or so, nine hours, to get me off of picking Oklahoma State. I really haven't. As much as I, again, I'm kind of weirded out by what Spencer Sanders said, whatever. Like, yeah, does it have more effect on the game than let? No, it, it, it probably shouldn't. But I'm just, I'm really scared of the Oklahoma State defense. They're so fundamentally sound and prepared, and I don't know how Oklahoma's going to be, be, be prepared for it. I, I Lincoln Riley's offense being so unprepared against Baylor and then also not looking that great against Iowa State, it's, it's scaring me. And this defense is better than those two defenses. Um, so that's why I'm going to stick with, I think Oklahoma State's going to win this football game. I don't know what the score is going to be. I guess I'll just stick with 24 to 14. What I will say, though, if, if I had to bet this, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of I get what you're saying with the Oklahoma money line pick, sure. Uh, how about the under, though? Under 51. I don't know if it's gone down. I, it, it opened at 51, 51 and a half for a total. I, I like that. I, I, it seems kind of obvious, but it's so weird betting an under in an Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game. But it just all signs point to the defenses playing really well, and they're not being a whole lot of points in this football game. Uh, so I think that would be my most confident play if we're going to look at gambling. Uh, and also, how about this? I'll, I'll finish up with this. And I'll see what you think about this. Uh, are, are the stars aligning for Oklahoma State? Because... Oklahoma and Texas are leaving, leaving for the SEC. Is this not the perfect scenario for the Big 12? Oklahoma State uh, goes in, knocks off OU, and then you get a non, uh, you get a Big 12 championship game without Oklahoma and without Texas, and they're out the door. And you know, who knows where they're going to leave? We, we're, we're hoping they're out, they're out the door soon. Uh, but, I mean, is that just not a perfect scenario lining up for Bob Bowlesby and the Big 12 saying, <laughs> All right, see you later, guys. We don't even need you anymore. I mean, I know that's kind of an overstatement, and over time, that's going to be dumb. But for now, I mean, it's kind of a cool setup for if you're a big Big 12 guy. That would make Oklahoma and Texas kind of look bad for the moment. Uh, and also, lastly, and I'll, I'll shut up and you can comment on any of this stuff. I just think the idea of back-to-back -back bedlams being a thing seems weird to me. Like, it's, not, it, it's too weird like it's not going to happen. I just can't imagine them playing two weeks in a row. That just seems too weird. But on the flip side, you can make the argument, it's so weird, then of course it's going to happen because it's so weird. Uh, all right, so I'm done sitting the fence for, for now. I'll let you comment on any of that stuff if you'd like. <laughs> no, I, I don't have. I don't really have much to add. I um, Kind of narrative-wise with the Big 12 and everything, I mean, I, I agree with you. That stuff like, you know, stuff like that always gives me pause because that's kind of how I think sometimes. Uh, but also, there's that's not going to have an effect on the game. It's still just a football game. Um, and narratives, you know, don't matter. They only matter, you know, after the fact. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a, it's, it's going to be a game that, that has the potential to be a really fun game that a lot of us remember for a long time. And so I, I, I hope it's, I hope it's, you know, in the, in the positive, uh, column for the good guys, but 
you know, hey, it's I. This is this is a game I'm not super expecting them to win going in, which is which is really rare. That's really rare. Oh yeah, and I forgot to say, I always got to add this at the end whenever I pick against Oklahoma. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> Want to make that very clear. I was wrong. I picked uh, Iowa State last week on the radio. I was wrong about that. Oh, and also, uh, man, are you ready, Grant? If I'm dead wrong about this and Oklahoma wins, and let's say they look good, <laughs> oh, are you ready for the, the car to turn around and us to start thinking, oh, here we go. They've turned the corner. Here we go. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Like, no. I'm not, I'm not falling into that. It's going to be yeah, th- they are who they are, man. They are who they are. Yeah, we're 11, almost 12 games in. All right, so that's our OU Oklahoma State Bedlam preview. That's a lot of meat and potatoes there. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Stick around for more college football talk if you'd like. If not, we we understand. It's a long podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's parts of them that I just I skip skip around and I say, nope, sorry, I don't care about what you guys have to say. But for those of you who do care about what we, we have to say, we're talking college football playoff rankings now, Grant and. It's Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, Cincinnati, the top four. Oklahoma State moves up to seven. OU is in the top ten at ten. Your initial thoughts, your hot takes, what do you want to say about the college football playoff rankings right now? I don't got much for you on this. Um, I I don't care. I really don't care. Um, okay. I, I mean, I guess I, I can go. I mean, the top four is right. It's it's right. So I guess good for them for getting it right. Um <laughs> Okay. Everything everything else is going to play out. It's going to play itself out. Michigan and Ohio State play this week. Um, Cincinnati still has to win back to back games, and they, I mean, that's not that's that's not a cinch to happen. Uh, who else is in there? Who's who's number six? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's going to beat Stanford. Notre Dame actually is is kind of a um, is is kind of a problem. The more I think about it now, I'm not sure. Um, I think I said on the last podcast that really all that had need, that needed to happen was OU went out in Oregon. I don't know if that's the case. I don't think I don't know if OU would jump Notre Dame. Um, and I'm just kind of looking at the tea leaves at this point in time. And OU's ten and one right now, and being you know they're why well, they're they're behind two two lost teams. The committee doesn't think OU's any good. I think right. I think they're right. they're um yeah I I, I think they're. I, I don't really think that there's anything OU can do to get in without chaos happening at this point in time. Unless uh, unless unless they beat they unless they blow out Oklahoma State and back to back. That's that was gonna be my the thing I was to add on to it. Because I, I think that's a very defendable position that you just had. That was that's why I said the last podcast, I think, uh, in order for Oklahoma to make it, they they're gonna have to beat Oklahoma State twice and one of them at least they need to win convincingly, preferably the Big Twelve title game. And honestly, it probably doesn't really matter which one. Uh, but just you want that the most recent game. You know, let's say they go to Stillwater, they win, uh, and then you know it's a weird situation where they got to play a, a rematch in a neutral site, last game of the season before a bowl game, and then you know you want your, your you want your final uh, data point to be boom. Not only did we go into their place last week and won, now we go and we just take care of business and just wipe the floor with them. Then I think I think. Oklahoma's got a great shot to get in at that point. Uh, I mean, Ohio State has done that in Big Ten title games a lot. I mean, that's basically how they got in right over TCU that one year. I mean, they beat Wisconsin by like fifty, and then they knocked TCU out of the top four the next week, and I was like, okay, and then they ended up winning the national title. Uh, so yeah, so I, I I think you're right about that. Um, Cincinnati, you think uh, you oh, think go, uh, go ahead. Think Zeke Elliott and Michael Thomas are coming through that door for OU this week? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're there. Probably. Yeah, I wonder if Theo. I wonder if Theo Weese is coming through that door. I wonder if he'll be healthy. What I if guess the, he warmed what if, up last week. What or? if Theo Weese is healthy, plays, and then just is just utterly dominant? The and best. Just like who, all those. Who is this guy? All those drop touchdowns from 2020 end up being actual touchdowns in the Bedlam game, and then we're gonna be like, Theo, save some for later, man. That's too many. Yeah, that'll be us. Uh, <laughs> like it's baseball or something, you know? Like, oh, save some of these runs for later. Uh, Cincinnati. I teased this at the very beginning of the show. Is Cincinnati two wins away from the playoff? Are they in? It looks like probably, right? I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. Like, if they struggle in their next two games, it wouldn't put. It, I wouldn't put it past the committee to, you know, to bump them out. But I mean, it's this is such a weird year. I mean, just there's not a lot of really good teams this year in college football. Um, th- th- this is a year to put them in. Like, I, I, I don't like. There's no, there's just, there's no compelling argument to me that like Michigan is better than Cincinnati. We already know that Notre Dame isn't. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay. it, it looks like they got a pretty good chance. So yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, right now I'd say Cincinnati winning the next two games, they are a heavy favorite to make it. And what will make it difficult for them is if, Ohio, uh, I'm sorry, if Bama beats Georgia, and that takes up two spots from the SEC there, because then the Big Ten winner is in either Ohio State or Michigan, likely. Uh, let's say they went out. And then uh, if Oklahoma State or Oklahoma wins out. And so then it's like, okay, now you have this Power Five conference champion with, with one loss against an undefeated Cincinnati. Do they put Cincinnati in? Well, Cincinnati's been ahead of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this entire year. So then, yeah, they would probably put them in. And then now the Pac-12 and the Big 12 is left out. So I think Ohio, uh, George, two SEC teams is kind of the big what if. But even if, you know, like I still think they might have the trump card over a, a, a one-loss Big 12 team unless it's Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State has a pretty darn good resume even with the one loss. So, yeah. I think Oklahoma State's pretty pretty clearly in if they um, if, if they win out because it's going to be – it would be back-to-back top 10 wins for them, presumably. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, Bama beating Georgia in the title game would throw a wrench in everything. And, and you made the comment weeks ago. I was like, God, that would be so bad for college football. Oh, it just, it w- some- that would be that'd be, that'd be oh, a disaster area for college football. L- let me put this out there. I know some people think, let's say Bama loses the Iron Bowl this week, and they, but then they beat Georgia. Like, is Bama in with two losses beating Georgia? Definitely. Definitely. I, I mean, uh yeah, I guess it's just that scenario that that would almost be worse for college football, honestly. Um, I, I think a, another a really bad thing for college football, too, is if they go with, you know, Georgia Big Ten champion and they go with Cincinnati and Notre Dame, which I think is actually a legitimate possibility. If, if, if OU wins this week, I think that's a really <laughs> realistic possibility because sure. I mean, because Notre Dame would just get absolutely leveled by Georgia. Um, Cincinnati, your, Ohio your State is, would be would be interesting. Because your point is you you can't put Notre Dame in without putting Cincinnati in. So exactly. like they're a package deal, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, let's play this out the way we. I mean, Vegas would say it plays out. Um, well, how about this? How about this for the scenario? Let's say. Uh, what's the scenario? Yeah. Okay. So Alabama wins the Iron Bowl, but then they 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 lose a close game against Georgia. With two, like you can't put Bama in at that point with two losses, losing to Georgia, they're out. You can't put Bama in. 
We'll Even see. I mean, there's game, the precedent. Right? Remember, they, they put Georgia with two losses ahead at five over Ohio State at six in 2018. When True, but that wasn't in the playoff, though. That they, right. they could just do it just to kind of virtue signal. Uh, it didn't affect the playoff at all, but that's a good point. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, I, it's, um, I think OU is, is at the point where they probably got to be very impressive in back-to-back weeks to get in. Okay. Okay. Uh, so... Yeah, there is a scenario where, let's say, Georgia wins out like, and they knock Bama out. Because I, I, I really think, I mean, I think the, the writing's on the wall. Bama has not been as dominant lately. And so, like, they dropped, I mean, the fact they dropped them down past Ohio State is kind of like, okay, like, you're not, you're not looking as good. I know it's Alabama, but at some point that, with two losses, I, who, has there been a two-loss team that's made the playoff? I don't think there has been. No. So, like, if there's enough teams with only one loss, heck, and even with Cincinnati with zero losses, I just I don't know if they can, if they can really uh, put a, a two-loss Bama in. Uh, so, let's say Georgia wins out, Bama gets knocked out. Ohio, we think Ohio State's probably going to knock out Michigan, even though, yeah, Michigan could beat Ohio State. You know, Michigan, let's say Michigan ends up knocking Ohio State out, and Michigan wins the Big Ten. Okay, that's, that's plausible. You got the Big Ten something team I, in. Uh, something I didn't know going into that Ohio State-Michigan State game last week Michigan State going into that game had the second worst pass defense in all of college football. Wow. They were giving up like Mel 330 Tucker. a game. It's a Mel Tucker staple, baby. I saw some terrible Bears pass defense and he was the defensive coordinator for the Bears for two years back in the uh, early 2010s. Oh, and also I have to, I have to mention it. I, I, like I, of course, the, the irony and everything else is not lost on me that ever since I referred to C.J. Stroud as Ohio State Landry Jones... That he's thrown for like nine thousand yards and a hundred touchdowns, so <laughs> yeah. I still think I don't know yeah. hey, if if uh, like if uh, if he struggles against Michigan this week, it'll I'll, I'm gonna pull it right back out, baby. Well, because he uh, did he struggle against Nebraska? Was he not that great he against did. Nebraska? He struggled against Nebraska okay. and Penn State and Minnesota when they played. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So we probably exhausted the playoff stuff. The point is, I, again, like. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State still have a shot, uh, which is all that matters. I mean, Oklahoma's at 10 right now. They're basically at 7 because they beat Oklahoma State. Like They might as well be 7. Like They're going to jump up at least to number 6 you know, next week and then because uh, whoever loses Ohio State, Michigan's going to drop down. So, I mean, there's See, a scenario. The thing, I, don't I, even, I don't even know if Michigan loses if they, if, if they put o, OU ahead of Michigan. I, I don't know hmm. if that's the case. Because, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, no, they, what? They already got Baylor and Ole Miss ahead of them right now. Yeah, but it, it's you know what they do though. I mean, this would be a really good win for Oklahoma, their first really good win, and I think they would probably give them credit for that. Granted, and the only only the one loss has to matter, I think. Uh, but you no, know, I could be wrong. You know, this committee is they're going to do committee things. Yeah, whatever. I I was going to bring something else up, but it's not that interesting. All right, let's go to the the rest of college football, starting in the Big Twelve, final week of the regular season. Not sure how much we have on this, but we always do the Big 12. K-State's at Texas. Texas uh, has lost, what, five in a row, six in a row? And they're favored. Uh, they're favored over K-State coming off of uh, K-State coming off of a loss. Uh, this seems too easy to take the points with K-State, doesn't it? I, I, Texas is kind of floundering. It just would be too perfect for them to, to, to lose out to end the season. K-State just lost to Baylor. Uh, and kind of a crushing loss because they were favored in that game. Uh, I mean, will Texas care to end their season on a win, with a win? I don't know. Like, do they care enough? 
I'll give you totally honestly. I have no idea how you can make Texas a three-point favorite in this game with that run defense going against Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. It, it just seems too easy. It just seems too easy for yep. Kansas yeah, K-State plus it's, three. It's definitely a, like, a head-scratcher of a line. Like, why, which, is, which why makes is Texas me think, favored? So, yeah, I mean, if, yeah. I, if, I was a, if I was in a gambling state, I would stay so far away from this game. I wouldn't touch it. Um, but oh, but geez, man, it's it's a Friday game, so it's just like ah, you you kind of have yeah. to bet it because it's only it's one of right, only yeah, a yeah. handful of games. It's fun, yeah. Like, Honestly, like the fun thing to do here maybe would just be to sprinkle a little bit of money on the K State money line. Just yeah, to have a little something on it. Yeah, because I mean, because like, of course, if, yeah. if I'm watching this game live, I'm rooting for K State, obviously. So why 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 wouldn't you just go ahead and just put 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 some money on the money line? Put a, you know like put put twenty bucks put you know, a, a pizza you know whatever you spend on it like ten bucks just for, just to make it more fun because either this line is right and your ten bucks is out the window or or like this line is way off but it's it's weird enough to where you, you don't want to go all in on Kansas State because that's that's a weird line all right TCU is at Iowa State that's also a Friday game sorry good call but thanks for saying it was a Friday game yeah so K State Texas is a Friday eleven a.m. kick by the way in Austin TCU at Iowa State is also a Friday kick at 330 uh, Iowa State 15 point favorite what's Iowa State six and five trying to go to seven and five baby that's what Iowa State does right they go I to think seven this and five. is a I think this is a pretty clear Iowa State wipeout game they're going to win this game by a lot it's, yeah, it's I think all, I would, it's if I had to make a everyone bet, who go came back for their senior season it's been a disappointing year it's going to be senior day they're going to absolutely beat the brakes off of TCU did uh God, did TCU beat they beat Baylor right that was a, Baylor's other loss yeah that was that, the Chandler that was like Morris almost, coming out party and Max Duggan took every snap last week so oh boy and I mean that was right after Gary Patterson left so that was kind of a weird I think that was the first game after Patterson left wasn't it so like, that was like your classic your head coach is gone and the team played crazy good and ever since then it's been just blah. so yeah I think you're probably right about that that's if you had to I mean it's 15 points it's a big line but if you want to have some fun it's a Friday game, you know. Maybe maybe lay those points and say go Cyclones. Uh, let's go to Saturday. Texas Tech is at Baylor. All right, so I know this one has some sort of you know influence on the Big Twelve. I mean Baylor's at home. Oh, I didn't put the line down. Sorry. Um, what's the line of this one? Baylor. I bet it's Baylor minus Baylor. thirteen and a half. It's fourteen now. So Baylor by two scores. So I mean. It would be absolutely shocking if Baylor loses to Texas Tech. The reason why this matters, though, is like if somehow Texas Tech beats Baylor, then then OU's then we're gonna have the Bedlam rematch regardless. Right? I guess why would it be shocking if Texas Tech were to beat Baylor? Baylor and Iowa State uh, because, are pretty much the same team. They're uh, like because they're Baylor, the same team because Baylor Baylor was in, a, in a, an obvious letdown. Like get, I mean, they were they were underdogs against Kansas State, and they they came out and they showed up after the win over Oklahoma. They and, did a great and job. Played really they well did. against Kansas State. You got Baylor playing with their backup quarterback. You got a Texas Tech run defense oh, is, that is, is good. Is Bohannon out? Is that yeah, Bohannon's sure? out. He blew out. out his. He blew out his. He's he's probably done for the. Uh, he it are, looks like he are, seriously are, hurt his hamstring. Are we sure that's a huge downgrade though? Going to somebody else other than him. Uh, the other guy doesn't have a doesn't have any running ability. Oh really? He's a pocket guy. I thought he, oh okay. At least well, I yeah, didn't that, see any. Um, you granted, got yeah. Bohannon didn't run a whole lot until until the OU game, right? You got a Texas Tech run defense, which is good. A really good Texas Tech run defense, uh, going against Baylor and their backup quarterback. Uh, this is like I, I don't think it would yeah, be shocking okay. at all if Texas Tech won this game. All Texas right, Tech no, is, you has make, already make shown points, numerous times this year to to sneak up and surprise. And Texas Tech's coming off of an embarrassing shutout home loss 
to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Also, you got a bunch of dudes on Texas Tech who now know like their their interim coach, Sonny Cumbie, he's still going to be there next year. Maybe they're fired up about that. If you want to go into that, um, did I you miss that? that. Okay. Joey McGuire is retaining uh, Sonny Cumbie oh, okay. as OC. Actually, that's not surprising. Did you know that McGuire is like working with the staff right now? Like he's there. Like he, yeah. Uh, since Oklahoma State, uh, John Holcomb, the radio analyst for Oklahoma State, and also works at KOTV in Tulsa. Uh, my colleague said that before the game that McGuire's like working with the tech staff. So that's not a great look though. Whenever his first game, I think was, they just got drubbed by Oklahoma state. But so it, it makes, now that you said that it makes sense. Like he, why would he be working with the staff if he's not going to be retaining like the current head coach? Like they're clearly simpatico. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard, ever have heard that before where a guy that's not the head coach yet is actually like working with the current staff. Like, yeah, yeah. I just want to be around the team. Here we go. Let's I go think- guys. I think that is a new kind of invention of the uh, of the early signing period. Yeah, I, that, that's got to, that, or at least I'm not going to say that's all of the reasoning. Of course, like you can start to build continuity already, but I, I got to think the main reasoning of that is, has got to be that early signing period, the primary reason. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, you made some good points about Texas Tech in that game, so uh, you know maybe like. We'll learn how good of a coach Dave Aranda is. Can he coach around a backup quarterback? I mean, the Baylor defense is still really good. Or do you just kind of sprinkle some money on Texas Tech plus 14? I don't know. Uh, all right, so the last one, uh, West Virginia is at Kansas. Who cares? Uh, West Virginia is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. Man, like how, how lame is this for both these teams? they got to wait around all day. It's a 6 o'clock kick on Saturday in Lawrence. Ugh. Like, oh, i got to wait around, play at night. This game is pretty much meaningless. Is West Virginia, they go into a bowl? they, they got to win this game to, game to be bowl eligible. All right, West Virginia. And, hey, but hey, give it to Kansas, right? Kansas is playing good football. I mean, they, they almost uh, almost beat TCU recently. Was that last week? Yeah, they almost beat TCU. Uh, they beat Texas. So Kansas is uh, playing for, for uh, Lance Leipold here at the end of the year. Maybe maybe Kansas plus 15 and a half, a little bit of pizza bet on that. You know, just go with the Jayhawks playing well. <laughs> Your grand shaking his head like, no. No, no, I, yeah. I would still never be on Kansas's side really for anything. Because you, you bet Kansas, that's, that's basically guaranteeing that they get their butts kicked. All right, to the national scene. And it wasn't a 5-0 and or 4-1 and week, but Grant, you were 3-2 and last week. You're 36-18-1 on the season. That is a fantastic winning percentage. And if you're listening to this this long and you're like i don't believe you that's a ridiculous go back listen to the podcast man i've been like all the rundowns here i've been counting it up that is an accurate number that's probably a better number than you could get from like professional people that charge you money for picks like you've had a great year on this podcast and it's free granted how many people have actually benefited i'll tell you this last week grant i uh, I, I do a, a weekly betting pool and, you know, I, I was on uh, K-State as well, so I can't blame you. But I, I was pretty into K-State, and that didn't work out last week <laughs> uh, with Baylor. But, you know, there's been other times where I've picked, picked uh, games that I wasn't sure about on your picks, and they've been right. So uh, you're 36-18-1. I'm still creeping. I'm creeping towards 500. I'm 25-29-1. I was 3-2 and two last week as well. First one. We're going to go Thursday. So I got I got to get this podcast up soon so that this uh you know people listening to this podcast can make this bet on Thursday. Uh the Egg Bowl, man. Number 9 Ole Miss, that team that's ahead of Oklahoma right now with two losses is at Mississippi State and Mississippi State's a two-point favorite. Uh Grant, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Uh, do you have any do you have any uh, leans? Do you have any picks? Uh, I mean, it's a forced pick on the podcast. Yeah, no, I mean I, me, I I'd be on Mississippi State here. Uh, mostly because of betting principle. Um, 
but also, I mean, you got Mississippi State at home. And I know, I'm pretty sure Matt Corral is still banged up and is not fully healthy. Uh, this, yeah, this, this just kind of seems like the, the right one. I mean, a big, big rivalry game on Thanksgiving night, at night, at Mississippi State. Um, I, I probably would have been on Mississippi State on this game, even if they were the, the underdog. So, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, that's probably the right call. And, you know, go with the betting principle. You got the, you got the top 10 team that is an underdog on the road that typically, you know, that's, that's a, you know, take the, take the favorite in that situation. Yeah. I mean, people look at this number, they'll say I'm getting points with the number nine team in the country. Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. And that's one thing I haven't looked up. I guess I can go back and look throughout our season where we've made these picks I, I should probably do that i should go back and look the betting principle we've referenced a million times on this podcast is you have a ranked opponent who's on the road playing an unranked home team and the home team is favored you think oh i want the ranked team getting points and a lot of the times this year almost maybe every single time on this podcast we've had this scenario the home team has won and covered there may be one or two where that hasn't played out. Actually, I'm going to go back and look at that when we're done with the podcast because I'm curious to see what that number is. So I'm also on this Mississippi State just simply because of the betting principle uh, because I don't know much about these two teams. Uh, well, I know a little bit about them, but uh, I just, I, I'm going to go with the principle on that. And uh, Ole Miss kind of got their big win over Texas A&M recently. And so that's, I mean, that's a rivalry game, whatever. But uh, I you know, I'll, just, I'll go Mississippi State, but just because it's a force pick on the podcast. Any other thoughts on this one? You're good. You're good. Okay. I'll go to the Big Ten now. This is an interesting line. How about this? This falls into the same betting principle. <laughs> Nebraska, home, minus one. Nebraska, a one-point home favorite against number 16, Iowa. And this ends just a gauntlet for Nebraska. Uh, they've, they've had a really difficult schedule. What, have they only won three games this year? But how about that, man? They're favored at home by a point. It's only a point. But uh, I was talking to Dusty. Dusty did the uh, – he did the uh, – why can't I talk? He did the Nebraska Wisconsin game. Does that just that just happen or who did yeah, Nebraska that was last week. play? Okay, yeah. So Dusty Dvorak was there. I talked to him on Sunday in Madison, and he was like, "Man, I don't know if I've ever said this before, and I, I know this sounds weird, but man, Nebraska's good. Like I know what the record is, but they're a good team." <laughs> I was like, I, "Yeah, I think you're right. That's so like they're three and eight. Man, they're a good team though. Uh, I, they're just they're a couple plays away." So, I mean, based on the betting principle, this is Nebraska. Like, Iowa burned me last week. I had I, I bet Iowa in my, my weekly picks. I thought they'd be able to get some margin against Illinois. I don't know if you saw the end of that. They ended up getting margin. They got, like, I think they got a pick six to get the cover. And then Iowa's stupid defense let Illinois just drive down the field passing the football in like a minute, and they scored a, a late touchdown to cover. So, you know what? <sighs> okay, Lee, don't get emotional. Don't get emotional, Lee. Hey, no, but before you make a pick here, you need to... Adrian Martinez is not playing in this game. Oh, he's not? Yeah, this is an easy Iowa pick for me. Then why is, why, is, uh, why is Nebraska favored then? Because Nebraska is favored in all of the analytical models. Wow, okay. Did not know that. What I was going to say is, don't get emotional... I wanted to emotionally pick against Iowa because Iowa burned me yet again, and I don't like Iowa, but I'm going to be calm, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to say, you know what? Go against yourself, Lee. Take Iowa, and I'm going to. Iowa plus one, and you're on Iowa as well? Okay. Whew. Deep breaths. All right. The big game, or the game, whatever they call it. The game, I think. <laughs> Ohio State at Michigan. 
at the big house. Man, uh, you know, this is, is this the biggest Ohio State? No, they had a pretty big game a couple of years ago, right? In 2017 or 18, they had a pretty big, and then Ohio was, State beat the crap out of them. I think it was 2016. It was 2016. It was the year that OU beat, or the, that, o, that Ohio State beat OU in Norman. I think both teams were 10-1. and one. It was the same scenario going into that game. Oh, they had one. Maybe it was. Uh, maybe it was 2018. I'm thinking of because there was a game. It was the. Oh yeah, they had one what? in 2018, right? Where it was, um, where Ohio State scored like 60 points, just threw it or threw it all the way around the the field. Yep, that was it. 62 that was to 39, 2018. Uh, Michigan had only one loss. Uh, Ohio State had only one. So they only had one loss in that game each. Okay, uh, this is big. I mean, this this reminds me of. Uh, like 2006 i think it was number one versus number two yeah they were both Ohio undefeated State, going to that game though uh sure sure so i mean that game was bigger but i mean top five matchup ohio state is an eight point road favorite uh i'm just uh i mean i i think i think you take the eight points here i i i kind of like michigan all season long we've kind of hinted on this podcast throughout the year that hey maybe, maybe this is the year maybe this is the year that harbaugh gets ohio state now Ohio State's playing its best football of the season, uh, but Michigan's at home getting the eight points. Um, I I wouldn't put a big bet on it, but I'm going to go with Michigan plus the eight. Where are you? I'm also on Michigan in this game. Uh, Ohio State has played exactly three teams this season that have a defense with a pulse, Oregon, Nebraska, and Penn State. They've struggled to move the ball on all of them, on all of them. And I think okay. Michigan's this is the best defense that Ohio State has seen this season. I think Michigan is able is a team that can run the ball. Um, I don't. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to say Michigan's going to win the game, but I, I'm. I'm going to kind of go with history here. I think. And hey, like, take Ohio State for what they've been the last like handful of weeks. I mean, they look great. They 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 look like a team that can beat Georgia. Um. I don't know, man. I I, I still think there's got to be there's got to be something going on. There's. There's I I don't know how to square how how average C.J. Stroud has looked at times this year with what happened last week where he looked otherworldly and um, I don't know it, it makes me think that if you you put a little better defense in front of him maybe it's going to be a lot a, a little bit harder for him. Sure, I mean you're getting more than a touchdown. I mean you're getting eight points I, I, at home. I, I get it. Um, this line might be telling you to take Ohio State because it's it's that big. Uh, but it makes me wonder what are, what was this line before Ohio State boat race Michigan State? I wonder if it was probably smaller. It's probably less than a touchdown. So I mean, you're probably getting a little bit of value here on Michigan. I'll go with the Wolverines. So we're all simpatico so far. We got two games left. Iron Bowl, Bama, laying 19 and a half at Auburn, and Alabama just uh, you know they they didn't cover against Arkansas last week. Arkansas hung around, scored some points. Now you go against Auburn. I haven't seen Auburn play really all year so I don't know where they are I mean this is a pretty big big number I think it's pretty similar to last week I think Bama was maybe a 19 or 20 point favorite over Arkansas uh, and that was at Alabama I believe um I I really just want to take Auburn just because it's a rivalry game but that line is so big and Alabama didn't really look all that great last week it makes me kind of think uh eh, swallow the points and if you have to make a pick go with Alabama so I'm going to swallow those points and go with Bama minus 19 and a half just because like, as much as I want to go with Auburn, I feel like that's more of my heart. I think my head's telling me that this line's big for a reason. 
Alabama needs to, to, to say, hey, yeah, we're still here. We're still pretty darn good going into the SEC title game. I'll go with Bama minus the points. What do you think? Yeah, see, I, I think the reason this, this line is kind of inflated is because Bo Nix is not playing. So, oh, um, uh, okay. I, I got I got to be on Bama too. I, I think this one's probably going to be a bloodbath. We're we're all we're simpatico. I don't. This definitely hasn't happened this season. I think we've. I don't think we've ever had five out of five the same. Five out of five agreement, and we'll see if we get here for this one. And uh, this is a weird line, man. Uh, <laughs> this the last game, another Big Ten game. This is a super weird line. All right, Penn State on the road is favored by a point. At Michigan State, Michigan State just got embarrassed by Ohio State. Uh, Penn State's been a good team this year. Uh, I mean, they've, they definitely have a good defense. Their offense has kind of been hit and miss. But why is Penn State a one-point favorite at Michigan State, Grant? Do you have any idea why this line is where it's at? Because Michigan State sure. has, been, has, has been shady this year. That's why. Wow. Is there any injury factor going in here? That no, Michigan State's defense is bad. And... Um, it, 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 this 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 doesn't surprise me really. Um, I I mean, having oh, okay. that been said, I am going to take Michigan State. Um, just because I think they're having a, a good season, and I think this would be a good capper to the season. And I just I narratively I like the idea of Penn State losing uh, the very first game after James Franklin signed just a massive contract. <laughs> just after how uh, Mel Tucker just got boat race after he. Is that official now? Did he officially sign that? Deal? I don't even think that was nope. ever official. I think that was just reported. So who? I mean, reported, uh, I'm not uh, sure right, if that's right. if that really is a is a thing anymore or, or what. But well, that'd be kind of a fun little circle of life thing, right? Yeah, I think there is uh, there is some injury issues with Michigan State. I'm looking at an article from the Detroit Free Press entitled "Michigan State Football Injuries Mounting." Kenneth Walker hobbled after Ohio State loss. So I wonder if he's potentially not going to play. Uh, but also, I mean, Penn State's offense is pretty bad too. So, I mean, it's probably it's probably it's probably going to be a very it's going to be a very Big Ten game, presumably. I guess Walker's got a uh, a, a a nagging left ankle injury, apparently, and I don't know how, how healthy he'll be. Uh, but I do like the idea of Michigan State uh, coming back after getting embarrassed at home now against Penn State. Uh, I mean. I know it's it's basically a pick 'em. I know the points there, but it, it, I, I think I'm going to be on Michigan State. You, you said maybe you're on Michigan State too. I yeah I. But this kind of goes into the category of you said you get this line. I don't get this line. I I think Michigan State should probably be favored. Uh, I don't so think Michigan State's that that's good. Weird, that's that's why the line is where it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, we did it. I we, mean, they just, we, I mean, Michigan State straight up lost by 50 to Ohio State. That's, you know, I mean, I mean they Ohio Michigan. State is impressive and they're good, but usually it's bad teams that lose by 50. Sure. All right, we're simpatico. So here are the picks. Both Grant and I agree. Mississippi State minus two over Ole Miss. Iowa plus the point over Nebraska. Michigan getting the eight against Ohio State. Bama laying the 19 and a half against Auburn. And Michigan State getting the one point against Penn State. Uh, and just the last couple of games, I don't know if you need to talk about I mean, Cincinnati's at East Carolina. Uh, Cincinnati's laying 14 on the road. I mean, East Carolina's not a, I mean, they're like seven and four. So like, they're not a terrible team. Who knows? It's a road game. Uh, I'm just games that will affect the college football playoff rankings. And then Notre Dame's at Stanford. Uh, big favorite there. You, you said earlier that Notre Dame's going to beat Stanford. So just 
I mean, a couple games that if they go a certain way that surprise us will definitely shake up the college football playoff rankings. Any comments or thoughts on those games? I don't really have any. Okay. No, let's get out of here. All right, that's it. Enjoy Bedlam. I will be there with my first Bedlam since, boy, since like day after Thanksgiving in 2009. I think we all went to the OU when they, when they shut out Oklahoma State. I think it's my first Bedlam since then. Oh, so, geez, man, uh, that may have been... That, that may have been the last time that Oklahoma State fans came into this game super, super confident. Oh, really? It, uh, I guess maybe 2011. That, that 2011 yeah, Oklahoma 2011 State team, probably, which, is, right? which is by far the best team in Oklahoma State history. What about 2013? Um, wasn't, that a, wasn't that one where they came in confident too? I saw Gabe yeah, that, with some So 2013 is, is definitely the, I think, is the most viable comparison of any games recently. The, the, the stakes are not as big going into this one. Um, they're the same for for you know for Oklahoma State. If they would have won that game in 2013, they would have won the Big 12. Um, but going into that game, I, I was really confident going into that game. I, I thought OU had a really good chance of beating them because OU's defense was good that year, um, and I just I had a lot of confidence in it. And it was they you know they had they had to pull a rabbit out of their hat. That was a really inexplicable win for OU, but it was awesome. I I really hope a game like that doesn't happen again because that game was hard to watch in in a fun way, but it was stressful. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my first actual game at Boone Pickens Stadium. I've been to the stadium when there's been no games, but I've never actually been to a game there. So looking forward to it. Uh, I've heard a lot about it, and we will talk all about it on the next podcast. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also... Tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.